Hi, welcome to the Great Rift Podcast. Um, this is episode eight. I'm David. I'm Jamie. And we're going to be talking about False Gods by Graham McNeil. Uh, finally. Finally. After, finally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry on the delay, everyone. It's just life. Life has a habit of getting in the way. We always said we'd try and do one a month. I guess this turned into what six week window. So it's yeah, not. Yeah, about that. Yeah, it's you know glass half full, glass half empty. We're in the middle somewhere. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's good to get back on the recording um, and have life shit out of the way. Work's been manic for me, so I've just, yeah, late nights, constantly frantically apologising to Jamie, but uh, we're here now. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess, uh, as ever, should we chat about a bit of hobby? What have you been doing, Jamie? Oh my god, what kind of, what have I been doing? Um, Six weeks is but, a long time. <laughs> yeah, it feels like, I think after the last episode, I finally finished... Um, cool. So I've done that, done him, which is thank God. Yeah, he's finished. Beautiful job as well. I put him in a little glass display dome. So, oh, like not, a bell jar. Yeah, not because I thought, oh, you know, he needs to be displayed necessarily. It's because he doesn't fit into any of my transport boxes or anything like that. He's so like spiky with server go server skulls floating and stuff that it just doesn't fit in anything I've got so so him getting dusty on on my desk at work I'm just thought all right well I'll put him in something to protect him from that nice nice um yeah and then what what have I done oh I did um I did those Shadespire well they're the fast riders oh yeah the the Sigmarites yeah yeah they're cool I really enjoyed painting, actually, surprisingly. I was like, oh, I just thought I'd do them as a, as a bit of a palette cleanser between all the mech, silver, and red I've had to be doing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I forgot how good it is, how nice it is to paint gold. Oh, really. you've done it in a really different way as well, which I really like. Um, yeah. Like, it, it's much darker variety. and harsher, which I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah, I used, um, some. Pe- I know some people use them as that AK grime stuff, but I used a different one than... I used to, and I usually use, I use this, like this winter grime, which has actually got green in it. Nice. Uh, the green and on the gold it came out really nicely, so yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 was, I, I thought that looks incredible. They, that, um, I've only painted a few Sigmarites, but um, I've always done it in quite warm tones, and I thought yours looked quite um, stark, like in a really nice way. It really popped. Oh, cheers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was happy with them. They came out it was quite nice to do something like autumnal. I yeah. Use green instead of blue and stuff. Yeah. yeah so I'd definitely nice. consider doing doing some more. To be honest, just more of the vanguard stuff. I, I thought I like started looking into them after I painted those guys. Into like I had a old white dwarf when the new box starter box came out. I was like, oh, there's quite a lot of quite a lot of cool models. I just sort of really hadn't paid attention to. So yeah. 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 I'm in the same boat, man. Like, uh, um, I'll go into it more when I talk about hobby. But Age of Sigma is. Yeah, it's like a brand new treasure chest of stuff that I'm just falling in love with. Yeah, it's definitely piqued my interest into... I mean, I, I like looking at the stuff, but I never really had much interest in doing any of it. But now I could see some joy in just painting a, maybe a small thousand points to start with. and Do it. Join yeah. join, join me and the others. We've, we've, we've got a secret <laughs> WhatsApp group, which is just all about Age of Sigma. And you're not in it. Yeah. So yeah, I, did, I haven't actually played Chase Fire, so we need to play Chase Fire. <laughs> I painted them, and then I got some cards off eBay, and then they just sat on my desk. Well, next <laughs> ne- next time you come up to London, bring them with you, because I've, yeah, yeah, I've got the uh, the the first. I've got the um, 
so it's, the game's actually it's called Warhammer Underworlds, isn't it? This is where they they kind of fucked up on the vernacular, like you know, the vernacular for the the, the game because everyone calls it Shades by But they keep correcting everyone on the Warhammer community. They're like, "You mean Warhammer Underworlds?" Because the new oh, one's yeah. called Night Vault or something like that. And I was like, yeah, "What Night the fuck Vault, is Night yeah. Vault?" And I was like, "Oh, it's oh, it's called Underworlds." I see. But I've got yeah. the I've got the original Warhammer Underworlds Shadespire, um, and I've not touched it. I've built everything, and I have played it in the past. But it's not that set. It was with Dan Carruthers' set, so I'm they're, they're desperate to be fondled. Um, <laughs> I remember, yeah, you got about Warhammer World, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because nowhere ever had it in London. Um, well, they're going to stop making that one now because. They've got their new starter set, the Night Vaults, yeah. and now they're selling the two. They're selling the Sigmarines and the um, Reaver guys, Corn Reaver guys, on their own. Oh, finally! And they're selling right, yeah. all the generic cards on their own. Oh, I so don't know. So yeah, I mean that's cool because I don't want to buy the box set. Yeah, but I want the cards. So I, it scares me though as a precedent. Like I, I never really played it much, but I know you were really big on the old X Wing. I don't like this. Um, the possibility of having to buy more things to compete. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's, there is an inkling of that, and now they've introduced this magic aspect, which is cool, but I can see there's going to be this constant power creep, which yeah. definitely came into X-Wing, of, like, here's some new stuff that's got different things, which are slightly better, which yeah. makes your older stuff not so good, so you're yeah. going to have to buy this new stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah, buy this £50 box set so you can get these two cards that are only in this box set. And on eBay, there'll be a hundred pounds, so you yeah. better buy this box set. Yeah, I, it worries me. But at the same time, you know, we're we're definitely not in a gaming community. Well, our, our smallish gaming community of Brighton War Council, there's no power gamers really. We can dial it up when we want to, but we're not that kind of group. So like, no. I could quite comfortably just play Warhammer Underworld Shadespire on its own for. Just in that set, I don't need anything to add to that. It's just fucking fun. So, yeah, I think I think that aspect of the game is is more relaxed. And as I said, they released that, which X Wing never did with sell cards on their own. And Games yeah. Workshop cleverly have gone right. We're going to get rid of the starter box, but here's all the generic cards that people will probably want. So, yeah, yeah. smart, smart. Um, yeah. I've I've been umming and ahhing for a couple of months of just buying all the other warbands before they vanish. Like I've. I, I need the skeletons and the dwarfs and the orcs. I just need them before they're gone. <laughs> I, should really I like the goblins, man. The new goblins look oh, <laughs> really cool. My love for goblins is forever there. And uh, it was. They, I liked them so much, I went and dug out my half painted goblin army, and I'm very tempted to do it further down the line. Yeah, I was, I've, I've also been tempted with a goblin blood ball army as well, but. <laughs> you just, it's just um, you just need so many of them, which is really. And you need to go, you, need, you need some trolls and stuff as well. So I was like, oh, I don't ever can be bothered. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just love the uh, black. You know, um, what are they? Black moons? No, what are they? I don't actually know the name. What the name of the team? I'm not sure. Well, just in general, in in Warhammer and the old fantasy. Oh, um, oh, uh, I do know this. The something moons. Something moons. Uh, they they got the yellow moon. I should know this. It's very old lore. Bad yeah. moon. Bad moon. Bad moons, yeah. I just love all those, like, in their cloaks, just eating mushrooms and getting, like, drinking yeah. potions and stuff, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I made a note. I'm going to put that, I'm going to put a picture of my bad moon goblins up on the Instagram later. Um, yeah, do it. Put bad moons up. Moon goblins. See if people think I should carry them on, because uh, I loved painting them. 
I painted a squad of 20 and I painted a couple of the characters and then it all just went in a box and it sat there forever and I was doing a big clear out a couple of weeks back and was like oh shit I've got all of this and I quite like playing Age of Sigmar now so I might I might dig it out and uh, give them, finish them off because they were really pleasing to paint I love the, the, the colour of black yellow and green like yeah. it's a really nice palette to play around with yeah and they're just funny man you just just that little bit of humour that sometimes is lost in other stuff so yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 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 the Warhammer I remember from being a kid, before it got everything got grim dark when it was silly. They were always that nice, fun, silly element, and I've yeah, I've always liked that. I think they're funny, but they're vicious, and yeah. I like that too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I'm just doing a June crawler at the minute as well. So I need, I'm almost at two thousand points now. Oh. I just got this June crawler, which is pretty much done, and then just two more robots, and that's it. As I say, we need to get a game. I, mean, in. I don't know what I'd do with this. We need to get a game in, yeah, but at the same I time, I, I know you'll just absolutely table me pretty solidly, pretty quickly. I mean, I've played like three games of Eighth Edition, and that's about it for the past twenty years. So. All right. Well, I'm I'm putting it on the podcast now. Before Christmas, we've got to do a game. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. So, any other, uh, any other hobby? Uh, oh, I've been reading. Up in between, well, after I finished Four Squads, I read, started reading the Garrow, Garrow, Gary book. Yeah, good. It's good stuff. Isn't yeah, it? it's that... cool. I li- yeah, I like it. Yeah, Garrow is a great character. Yeah, I said before on the podcast, he's one of my favorite characters, and this just reading the book again is definitely reinforced. I just like how he's uh, he's very human, you know, with his belief and his relig- sort of his religion and his sort of being lost. Because he's not connected to a legion anymore, and he doesn't trust Malkador. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I think I mentioned it before. I find him a really interesting character because I'm, I'm not of any kind of faith, and it's interesting to watch someone become of faith. Uh, I found that a really interesting insight into something I'm not familiar with, and I think that's a really nice angle. Um, yeah. And especially because the the thirty k universe is so secular, I find that really interesting. Be interesting to see what happens to him because obviously we don't know. I don't know what happens. I don't think anyone knows yet. What I know, he he finds out about the Grey Knights and Titan, but it's sort of it's insinuated and he sort of knows that he is not part of that future. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm keen as well. It's I'm hoping they do wrap his arc up in the Heresy books and it isn't just a dangling thread. Um, yeah. Because I think that would be really disappointing. Uh, but who who knows? We shall see. I, mean, I could see him doing something with Sevatar. That would be just great. Just totally pole opposite characters. But they both are very like lost souls in terms of like they don't really care about their legions anymore or their things like that. Yeah, it would be quite interesting. And yeah. there's always that rumour that Sevatar becomes a Grey Knight. So. Yeah, I was, I, that was just on the tip of my tongue. I don't know if you've ever looked it up, but there's... Um, I don't. I can't remember what book it's from. I'm pretty sure it's an ADB book, but there's a description of one of the first founders of the Grey Knights, and it's a stat. It's someone describing a statue um, that's got a big halberd, um, and he's got the face of someone that's like jovial but serious, um, and it kind of describes Sevatar without saying it out loud. So there is the you know I don't know if you know where Sevatar is at the moment, but it's definitely not out of the realms of possibility. 
No, yeah, I've, I'm, yeah, I know he's still alive. As, as we as we talked about in the Night Lords trilogy. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. Rumored loads in there that he's still kicking around. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is. I hope he is. And part of me is like, they probably won't ever tell that story. It might be nice to just not ever tell that story. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Cool. That's it from me. Um, cool. I'll jump in then. So, what have I been doing? I've been doing loads. I've actually been re- keeping myself busy when I'm not at work and uh, when we can't podcast uh, so what have I done start Age of Sigma um, got myself to a nice healthy 750 points completely painted um, for my death well specifically Legion of Night Force uh, had some really good first ever Age of Sigma games a couple of weekends back at Dan Carruthers' house James from Brighton came up we played a game against each other each so we played two games total uh, James smashed the shit out of me in the first game even though I did loads of damage to him in the first turn um, Sigmarites just pulled it, pulled that shit back he had something that let him bring a whole unit back from uh, from the clouds oh, snidey snidey yeah so I, I first charged something with my vampire and black knights they have this really gnarly rule on the black knights where because they've got lances as you imagine lances are really effective in the charge and then they're not so great after. So I got this sick charge range off. Managed to roll like an 11. I was like, yes. Smashed into him. Wiped him. Wiped the whole five-man squad out. Before he could hit anything back. And then his turn, he went whoosh in a bolt of lightning. And they were just back on the table. And I'd already lost a lot by that point. Because his retaliation was so strong. Um, and it was my first ever game. So I hadn't learnt much about the mechanic behind... Um, there's a thing called grave markers for death which is uh, you get you get four in total they're like a little you can use anything but you should model it really we use coins because I didn't have anything but you can make little markers um, and they have rules that affect the death army in the game mostly through being able to summon units that you've kept off the board or uh, healing things that can be healed like skeletons oh, yeah, and yeah. zombies so I placed them all a bit weird and it didn't really help so I learned I learned from that um, but it was really fun. It was only a small game, but it was great to finally be playing with completely painted armies. Um, and then I played Dan Carruthers, and I beat him, which was really good. Uh, really satisfying game. Um, <laughs> it was good because I, 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 I set my skeletons up far more aggressively than I did against uh, James's uh, Stormcast. So Dan was playing with a Zinch demon army. Um, yeah. And I just got loads of first turn charges off. I re- I was really aggressive, really pushed everything up the board, um, and just 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 drowned him in bodies really quickly, um, while making sure I could get lots of uh, wound healing shit going on. So he was you know hurting me, but then I was just bringing stuff back. Uh, as long as my units weren't disappearing, I mean one of them got down to like two models left, and I brought three back two turns in a row, so they'd nearly fully regrown which is just so useful um, and a real pain in the ass for people trying to thin you out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, really loving Age of Sigma at the moment. Quite heavily, deeply into it. Um, bought a load of Nighthorn stuff, which I'm going to be adding to the force. Bought the Nighthorn Battle Time. Um, the volume of mortal wounds they can pump out is disgusting. Um, so looking forward to using them. Uh, been painting Manfred for the Legion of Knight side of my army, getting him done. Um, he's nearly there. I'm really happy. Yeah, he looks cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I've gone against what I normally do. I'm really taking my time with this death army. Um, 
most people who know me know I, I, I go a bit above tabletop standards but I I try and use my time efficiently to get stuff ready for gaming um, I won't play anything unless it's painted um, but with the death it was more about I really wanted this to look amazing so I've really taken my time on it um, and I've, I've done something I've never do I've actually repainted a bit of Manfred as I showed you yesterday yeah um, yeah I was just, I, you know, when you're just not quite happy with something, you're like, that's not. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And what annoyed me is I followed the guide in the battle time for painting spirit hosts. I did it. The, I went and bought all the paints and was like, that's exactly how I want it to look. I'm going to do it that way. Hell yeah! And I did it, and I was just like, that looks shit. That's not look. That doesn't look anything like how I've done it. And James and Dan made a point that like, mm, well, they probably actually haven't done it that way. They've just said they have. Like, yeah, it was really I've weird. I've bought some of their painting guides before, and some of them. Some, first of all, some of them aren't done by heavy metal, and you can tell because when you look at the pictures, they actually look a bit shit. Yeah. And secondly, they, they haven't done used nowhere near used the same amount of paint sometimes. So. Yeah, I was really gutted because it was a big part of the model. It's like the whole yeah. bottom quarter of it is this, this spirit host, and they just looked a bit naff. Um, but uh, two thin coats, Duncan, to save the day. Uh, I found a very quick two-minute video of his on how to paint spirit hosts. And they look exactly the same as they do in the battle tome, but it's a totally different technique. And I was like, right, cool, fuck it. I'm actually going to repaint all of those spirit hosts on that base. Um, so I went and bought, I don't like doing it, but I went and bought a Vallejo white primer, which is different to a base coat. It's like a really weird texture. Yeah. So I've like done a couple of yeah. layers of that to just try and get it as thin and smooth as possible. And yeah, I've got the first colour down. So felt really weird I never normally I just grin and bear anything I don't like but I really want these to look decent um, and yeah so I've, I've got a load more deaf stuff to paint uh, but hopefully now once I get that technique down the rest should be smooth sailing um, yeah. uh, for 40k I'm umming and ahhing at the moment about expanding uh, my death guard army uh, I've got it to 2000 points fully painted but it's not a very fun force to play with every time I've used it everything's died even though I've won a game <laughs> I won a game with one model left I beat Dan because I had one model left and Dan hadn't oh, yeah, yeah, saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't I didn't kill anything it just literally slogged up the board took a load of pounding and then Dan went oh fuck it's the end of turn 5 and the game didn't continue uh, <laughs> so that was just a technicality um, so I want to find a way of, of bringing that to life a bit more uh, and I'm contemplating doing a totally different army because everything I do seems to be in power armor. I'm contemplating Eldar because I did them a very long time ago um, and loved them and then sold them all for some reason. So I'm contemplating. Uh, and that's that's it for hobby. Um, skinny power armor. Yeah, yeah. Weird bone armor. Um <laughs> I, I'm contemplating BL Tan. They were my favourite when I was younger. They're the ones that wear all white with the green helmets. Um, yeah, they look cool. Yeah, yeah. the Swordwind. They're, they're wonderful because they're, they're a really aggressive Eldar force. They're all about war. They focus on ex-arches and becoming aspect warriors. Um, whereas most other Eldar armies are a little less... They, they're not really a standing army. Guardians are, are civilians. Um so I really like the idea of, of, of them. Or maybe the old favourite, the Ulfway, you know, the black ones that are all about seer, seers and magic. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, cool. It's cool. Um, the black, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And what else? Oh, I've, I've been listening to a lot. So I walk to work now, which is great. So I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and and audiobooks. I've been listening to a lot of, uh, for any f- podcast listeners out there, other than ours, um, What the Fuck with Mark Moran. It's literally the best podcast ever. It's really fun, uh, really funny. Um, and I've been listening to, I listened to Dark Imperium um, by Guy Haley, which I thought was fantastic. Um it's like the intro book. Yeah, I didn't get on with that one so much. I don't yeah. know why. I admit it just wasn't in the right frame of mind. For did, it. did you finish it? No, I didn't in the end. I got to the bit where, not to, well, not to give too much away, but there's a bit where they're at that hospital bit and then he starts, like, things go really weird. Yeah, and like, then the soldier starts, is. yeah, the seven guardsmen start turning into seven heralds yeah. of Nurgle. I, fi- I found that bit really disgusting. I actually remember specifically yeah. saying to Sarah, oh my god, I've just listened to the grossest thing in the world. And it was a scene where the guy had two big worm things coming out of his eyes, but he wasn't yeah, really yeah, aware yeah. of it. It made me feel a bit sick. Um, I really enjoyed it, man. And I, I like the fact that the next one's coming out. It's for, up for pre-order. Um, Dark Imperium Plague War, I think it's called. It's the second part, so it's it's yes, Gilliman yeah, trying to save Ultramar. Um, guy Haley's a bit hit and miss for people. I, I seem to like more of his stuff than I dislike. Um, but I know not everyone likes him. Uh, yeah, I don't mind his stuff. I don't know. I just maybe I was listening to it. I just wasn't in the mood. No, that's fair enough. It happens. I, I do that, and I go back, and I'm like, oh, this wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I go the other way. Like, oh, this was not as good as I remember. I'm also currently listening to Watchers of the Throne, uh, the Emperor's Legion, which is uh, I'm only two or three chapters into it. It's uh, pretty cool. It's it's. It's set just before Dark Imperium, as the Imperium starts to realise Cadia's disappearing and they haven't heard from them for a long time, and there's rumblings of, oh fuck, this is the end of days. Um, and it's got lots of custodes and administration type people in it. So it's, it, so far it feels a bit like a, uh, a thriller as opposed to a war story, which I'm quite enjoying. Yeah, that's um, cool. Yeah, so that's me really. That's that's all my hobby. Uh, mostly Mark Moran. I just like listening to that while painting loads of stuff, um, and working a lot. Yeah, I've been. I've been doing as another shout out. I've been Dungeon Punks. I caught up with a lot of their older episodes, oh, which was interesting. Stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Those. About lots of D and D and just like um, older board games. There's that game they talk about. It's called Wild in the Streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. That's, they had an episode with the creation on that and it just sounds like a really cool game to be honest so yeah I'd love to try that and I love that they've made models of some of them yeah it's really funny I'm pretty sure Nate has one which is brilliant yeah he does yeah yeah you can yeah. paint it up with him but then he, one of the guys painted it up with a red hot chilli pepper hoodie on which was <laughs> <laughs> total birthday yeah yeah amazing um cool I guess we should move on to the main event yeah yeah let's do it yeah, yeah let's I'll grab a, let me grab a beer and into it. So, listeners, we are doing False God. False Gods. Goods with an S. Um, the Another second instalment of the Horus Heresy. And I remember buying this when it fucking came out. Same as the first one. I remember it. It was like summer. Summer of 06, which sounds sexy in my head, but it's not that good. Cool. <laughs> it was a hot one. It was, it, was, yeah. it, it was a warm one. Milk was a bad choice. Um, I remember being at college or just finishing college when it came out and being like what the fuck is this book it's so good um, mm. 
And funny enough, while I did sort of half read some of it while getting familiar again, um, so I listened to bits of it and read bits of it. Uh, I, I the first couple of books of this series that I have in my collection have that old book smell now. You know, like books that your parents would give you, like, oh, you yeah, like yeah. this. <laughs> it smells of dust, which is brilliant. Definitely dust and decay. Yeah, fucking twelve-year-old book. It's amazing. Um, it's just, this is the only book that's not got the cover by um, what's his name. Oh. This one's he by this one's by Philip Sibbering. I had to look yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. Because the only one in the Horace Heresy series is by someone else. Let's have a quick look. We we met well. We saw him at Black Library Weekend. What is what is his name? It is Neil Roberts. Neil Roberts. He said he only somebody asked him. He said he, didn't, he hadn't he had done them all except one. And I couldn't. We were, I was wondering, oh, which one was it? And, and I looked at this one. It's, it does look different. It's it like, does. It's, yeah, yeah. The Space like Marines have can... the, the Space Marines have forty first millennium bolt guns for a start. Yeah, and, and it looks more first. like a computer game. Yeah, it look, yeah, you're totally right. And like, the more you look at it, the more you realise that they look like 41st Millennium Space Marines. Their armor's yeah. all wrong, and yeah, the aesthetic's totally not there. But I still liked it. I still do like it. Yeah, yeah it's cool. It's a cool pose and stuff on it, but it just it's different. It looks different. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's the one. Some of the early scenes in the picture in the books, I I, I just don't know where they're referencing. Like, oh yeah, the first one. I don't know. They're outside some massive like fortress. I'm like, where the hell is that? I guess yeah. it's the Whisperheads. But I was like, it doesn't look like the Whisperheads. What I thought it would. But, yeah, yeah. And, and on the cover of this one, they're wearing all white. So that's when they were Lunar Wolves. They're not Lunar Wolves anymore. They're Sons of Horus. And it's like, where the fuck are they? Like, I have no yeah. idea where they are. They're just sort of dithering around on the cover. But anyway, it's still cool. It's just totally different. Um. So, shall we do a quick recap on where where did we leave the last book? What happened, What was the last sort of rounding up? Uh, they had just uh, literally kind of blew apart that Interex outpost because Interex said they'd stolen something and Horace was like, oh, we haven't, why are we trying to, you know, make peace here? Um, you know, you're part of a human part of the human race at some point we should you know try and do that and then he was having that sort of kind of breakdown by saying he why father why can't I do this <laughs> father <laughs> yeah and he's like oh fuck it just grabs a gun and starts shooting people so yeah so yeah. we saw the first cracks in Horace's uh, outward expression of what he's thinking inside I guess that, that's how I interpreted it I think that stuff's always been there you know that sense of doubt, that sense of um, faking it till you make it. I think that's always yeah. been there in his head. And I think now it's like unleashed. Um, and that's where we left it, is them annihilating the Interrex. Um, they yeah, wipe, they then, wipe them, don't they? they? They completely annihilate them. Oh, yeah. I think that, I think it mentions that they, like they, the war continued on for like many other years with other maybe other legions taking over. But I think like Loken or someone who ever says... That's for another. That's another story. Yeah, yeah. I put it to the side. We're not going to tell you about it. Yeah. And then it ended with a sneaky Erebus twirling his mustache in the in the bottom of a the, the dank dark ship, opening a box to reveal the uh, the weapon that was stolen. <laughs> what a prick! What, yeah, a prick. what a prick! I can't stand him. Um, yeah. Cool. So then we open up with the next story, which takes place pretty soon after. Yeah, so um, it says in the last bit they said, oh, we were going to Darwin. And yeah. then this book is 
they arrive at Davin. So. Yeah, so we're there's four parts to this book. Um, me, me and Jane were talking before we started recording. Actually, it's a, it's not. A, it doesn't look like a long book, but there's actually a shit ton of stuff in here. Um, yeah. So it's it's might, this might end up being a slightly long episode, but we'll, we're not we're not going to go in mega mega detail. We'll keep it like we always do, surface level and details we think are awesome. That sound good. Yeah. Um, so part one, the betrayer. Is there any characters you want to go through? Oh yeah. shit! Uh, is there anyone that what? stands out that wasn't in the previous one? Uh, I guess. Uh, so we've got we've got our Mournville, we've got our Tarek, Loken, Abaddon, and Little Horus. We've got Horus. Um, Erebus. Who, Erebus is a bit more in this one yeah, than the previous er- one. Erebus is very very important. Did we cover Erebus in the last one? I think we did. Yeah, he's in it, but he's this book is where he sort of comes to the yeah to comes the floor to the front. a bit more. Yeah, so Erebus from the world uh, word bearers. He's the first chaplain, I believe his title is, or something along yes. those lines. Yeah, first chaplain Erebus. Uh, he's like Lorgar's boy. He's his one he sends out to do everything. He's kind of like the the uh, the architect of a lot of what's happening. Um, there's a good, yeah, basically, there's a... he is the root of, of, of the whole heresy, really. I mean, even if you read the first heretic, even it's not really, I guess it is a bit of, um, what's the name, Lorgar, but you could even say it roots back to Erebus talk, like worming his way into Lorgar's ear. So yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'd say it's Lorgar and it's um, uh, Erebus and uh, what's, what's the, the Lorgar's dad's name? Uh, oh, yeah. A guy, oh, he's just a twat. So. Yeah, it's all three of them. Like, they, I think, I think the, the the key thing for me is the actual thread is chaos. Yeah, it's it's worked. It's it's worked. It's magic on all three of them, um, and it dials up which one it needs to dial up at which point in the narrative. So, like, definitely think Erebus is responsible for making sure Lorgar's tendencies are di- like pointed in the direction of chaos to make chaos happen. Um, but yeah, like Erebus is the snake with with um, with especially with Horus pressing the buttons, telling him what you don't think you need Horus to hear, but doing it for a reason. Yeah, so he's the reason that they've gone to Davin because obviously there's something that needs to be done. Here, yeah. So yeah. Um, anyone else? So we've we've still got the same Sons of Horus characters. There's no one new there. Um, there are there is a, a trio of people that are actually quite important. Um, the Deus Array crew. Um, oh yeah, that's yeah, a great little yeah. side story. Um, yeah, they come. They're more in the third book again, but in this book they're they're introduced, which is yeah, yeah the Titan crew. So it's the the uh, Deus Array is I believe it's a Imperator class Titan, which is like the biggest. It's the one that yeah. like has a. I think it has a, like a cathedral on its back or something, doesn't it? Or is that an yeah, em- em- emperor I think class? Yeah, like, in there. It varies across the you know the timeline of when the books were written of what Titans look like, but yeah, it's the it's the biggest one for sure. Yeah, if this one specifically has like cathedrals on it, but yeah, yeah. So there's the Deus Array. Uh, that's so that's the, Mortis, isn't it? Yeah, they're part of Legio Mortis, which is a fucking great name. But that's um, Turnet, who's the princeps, who's the the main man. And there's two Moderate Primuses, um, Titus and Jonah. Um, so they've, they've got a really cool little story arc in, in this. Um, and I think what I like about that is it's the human level of the story arc of Horus and the Emperor. 
if you see what I mean, as as you go yeah. to the third book. Um, it's giving us that human perspective of a conflict of ideals and faith, which I think it's not really shown anywhere else. In term, everything's on a space marine or a galactic level, but it's like right down on the dirt with the way people might interpret what's going on around them, and I think that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Hector Varvarus, the Lord Commander, he's quite important. He's the Imperial Army boss yeah. in charge, very loyal to the Emperor. Um, Remembrances are pretty much the same, except we have one new addition, which is actually quite crucial to this book, is uh, Petronella Viva. Oh yeah, the um, in my head I pictured her as like um, Antoinette, you know, like this like yeah. Parisian royal that just has no clue how fucking um, uh, entitled she is. Like, I'm important, therefore I get what I want. Um, she's like she she's very like proper aristocracy kind of attitude, but yeah, you're right. She's vital. She's a bit of a plot point, right? Though, like her, she's there to give us insight into Horus, which I yeah, think, I think yeah, she is. She has one purpose in this book, and then is she's quickly got rid of yeah. But um, it, it's done. It's done pretty well. I mean, yeah, she's. It's the, the way she's used is quite interesting, for sure. And as as a character, she does stand out. I mean, her, her backstory is quite interesting. Her family you were one of the few people that chronicled the Emperor's rise during the Unification Wars. Yes, yeah, she's she's royalty. Yeah. yeah, so he like then personally thanked them. So that yeah, so they said like one of their parents or grandparents got a desk that was given to them by the Emperor. Or yeah, like yeah, it's fucking cool. Um, she's got her bodyguard who's. An excellent villain, eventually, <laughs> yeah. Magard, um, who's like a silent henchman that follows her around. And I like that um, he can't talk, but there's like a little data slate that writes what he's thinking, so they can still communicate. Yeah, her quill like picks up on people's thoughts, and she like when she like orders him around, and he thinks, "Oh, like fuck you," and it, the quill writes it down. She like finds that hilarious. So. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really, really funny. And she it also is, fucks him. Yeah, I was going to say. Really weird. <laughs> which is like one line. And you're like, what? Wait a minute. That changes like the whole aspect of how you view their relationship. You're yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's this muscly dude that bangs his boss who's really rich and he's not. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's also quite an important character in the background, Regulus, the the uh, Mechanicum representative, because uh, Big Boss Man is back on Mars. Um, yeah. He's very important. Um, and there's a character that comes up called Eugen Temba, but we can cover him mm-hmm. when we get there. So yeah, the, the the rest of the cast from the first book are still well and truly present. It's pretty much just the sixty third expedition again, pretty much. Yeah, same two. remembrances, same lunar walls, or Sons of Horus. Sons of Horus. Now, so I think that's quite important to remember is that they have now become Sons of Horus, and I think that's a big theme for me in the book is that. Um, Horus intentionally never changed the name of his legion because he saw it as arrogant or showing his pride. He was like, no, Empress told me I should change my name. I'm not going to do it because I want to make sure that I stay true to my values as as Horus. So he kept it to himself and left it as Lunar Wolves. But then I think that changing of attitude where he finally just throws off how fucking annoyed he is that he's been put in his position like father why have you done this to me why me why me 
like, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm changing the name for myself now. So they get rechristened as the Sons of Horus. And I like that they went from white, this like, you know, on an emotional scale, it's like a pure, pure pristine colour. And now they're like a murky sea green. Like, I imagine it as like the sea in the winter. That kind of horrible, yeah, kind of depressing kind of colour. Yeah, it's It's definitely like a muted palette, isn't it? It's it's like a bright green. It's more of a... Yeah, it's it's a sea a sea green. It's like a miserable green. It's it's not a nice green. It it looks corrupted. It looks uncared for. Um, which I think I know it's just piecing things together, but I just think that's really important. It's it's right in your face from the get go that this is a totally different look and feel legion now. They are, yeah. they have a totally different identity. They've gone from having a wolf with a moon on their shoulder pads, which was their iconography and their identity to being brand stamped with the eye of Horus. Like that that's so much more a level of arrogance. It's insane. Um Yeah. But I think it's Which really is important. meant to represent the he's they he calls it the eye of Terra, as in Earth. Yeah. But obviously it slowly corrupts to the eye of Terra. Yeah, exactly. It, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's very I think it's very interesting. Um symbolism is important, right? Yeah yeah. Uh Okay, so part one, the betrayer, which I couldn't help but think of Khan when I read that. I just always think yeah. of Khan as the Khan. <laughs> Khan. Um, so how does it start? How do we get back into the story? Um, I think this is it. it's been a bit while since I read, re- listened to the beginning again, but I'm pretty sure it would. You start with sort of Loken retelling. You start with Loken more in the future. And he's talking to his remembrance there, and he goes, he's sort of retelling the story about what happened on Darwin. So it's a sort of like flashbacky sort of going on, and you get the scene straight away is like Loken is not in a good state when he's when he's talking to remembrance at Ollerton. Yeah, he is like in a sort of very low, depressed state, and you're like, oh crap, what's gone on? Yeah. He's like, and she's like, what happened down there? What happened at Darwin? And he's like. Oh, okay, well, I'll, I will tell you tell you the story. Yeah, and back flashback in time, and yeah, it's yeah. You just get a sense straight away of like, oh man, shit has gone, shit has happened. It's yeah, the fam. I like that because it's no more like slow build up. Like the first book was this slow unveiling of characters and build up. This is straight in. Oh, everything's shit now. Let's go find out about how that so you how that happens so you know as you read, nothing good's going to come out of it. Yeah, like, exactly. You're yeah, going exactly. down a dark path. Yeah. So, um, and then it goes back, and you even when it goes back, you can tell there's something's happened since Interact where the Mournival are not. I think it says at this point that Horace doesn't consult with them anymore. Mm. It's always with Erebus. He spends literally his whole time with Maligurst and Erebus. Yeah. At Loken is feeling a bit depressed about that. It's you know he's not. He feels like he's not taking a this balanced judgment of all four of them, and he's not no longer taking their views anymore. Yeah. And obviously he has Erebus worming his tongue Snake in Horace's ear, yeah. non sexual way, obviously. But <laughs> maybe could be. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's there's other stuff going on that we we get introduced to the. Um, as you say, the Titan, and there's a little bit which is really nice where he, one of them is reading the Litto 
Divinitatis. Yeah. And he sort of has to hide it away quickly when the others come and join him. And then he, you see that there's a really nice world building bit where he goes through like a little door on the leg of the Legion thing. It's like, oh, they have little like a little door, a little hatchway. Yeah, I saw that and I thought, that's a fucking battle risk. Like, yeah. I wouldn't want a door nearest to the ground. Like, I'd want it to be right up top. I, I guess do... it's like, you know, bolt, it bolts closed, but... Yeah. I don't, yeah, but it's, then just, he walked, it's on he a latch. Away from... Yeah, <laughs> it's like a little wooden door. <laughs> yeah. And then he walks, he walks his way all the way up to the top, into his, like, into the control room, and it's just like, he's walking through these gantries, and there's, like, soldiers guarding doors, in like, internal doors. He's like, man, this is really big. Like, yeah, they're huge. Big. You've just got soldiers standing guards. Yeah. Stop. I, yeah, like I said, I, I find the Legio Mortis story really interesting because it's um it's unveiling to us that everything else going on around him, Faith is still finding its way into the 63rd expedition. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, at every level it's there. It's, um for good or bad, it's 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 happening on parallel with Horus's rise. Um, so I guess that's the whole point of the title of the book, right? It's False Gods. They're all they're, everything's false gods on chaos on the humanity's um, understanding of the emperor. It's all false. Yeah. It's all wrong, um, and I think that's that's great. I think it's a really important storyline. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, just, that's a slight little aspect I thought in that thing. But we'll, we'll jump to the main bit of it as they get to Darwin basically, and because um, they've been told well, they land there, and they're like, "Oh, this place was." Um, brought into compliance 60 years ago by, I think, by the Lunar Wolves, and they had um, a battle. They were the ones who fought the local populace. I think and the word where, bearers were there as well, right? Yeah, they had, together they took over, and um, they com- and they had they were quite had a respect for the locals that had, like, little technology, but they put up, a, like, a, put up a brave fight, and this is where the lodges come from, come from, Darwin. Yeah, so, so the lodges concept that's been spread around by the fucking... Erebus and the word bearers hmm. that we saw in the last story is now well, you get that link like oh it's come from this place this is why they do it yeah. but um, Erebus never really tells him tells Horace why he's uh, you don't as, from Loken's point of view he doesn't really know why they're going back there but when they land on the surface there's like I don't know it's sort of, sort of a bit deserted and and um, Erebus like He's already there, and he rocks up and says, "Like we need to have a war council because shit has hit the fan." Mm. And um, yeah, and I think this is where Horace finds out that Yugen uh, Temba, which was the governor, is no longer on the on the planet anymore. No longer is for the Imperium. He has turned against the Imperium. So. Yeah, and more importantly, he's not turned against the Imperium as much as he's turned against Horus. Like he's de- he's he denounces Horus as and like it's it's so personal to Horus because that's a button Erebus wants to you know scratch at. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so it goes yeah, to this yeah. whole scene where Horus has this war council where he was he's about to tell the whole his whole legion about why they're here, what's going to happen, and then as he's about to announce, um, about to announce it, literally, um, Erebus. Interrupts him, and everyone's like, "What? You can't interrupt the War Master." And um, he, uh, in this whole scene, Erebus is—you can see it from the reader's point of view—pushing Horace's buttons by saying, "I like, interrupts him to make him angry," and then he 
doesn't he? He doesn't call him War Master as well, so that you know yeah. makes everyone else riled up. And then he says Timber has turned against him, and he's turned against you, Horace. He's named you um, for leaving leaving him here, and yeah, it's all these little buttons that yeah. as a reader you see, and you're like. Horace is just falling for it like a fucking idiot sometimes yeah. he's like mate you're meant to be a superhuman like can't you see through this shit yeah that's the point though isn't it right is there it gets mentioned a few times is uh, they're they're our, our greatest um, our best things amplified but also our worst yeah so like when pride starts clouding his judgement it starts really fucking clouding it and just reason vanishes um, what I really like about that scene is my, my favourite bit about that scene is um, Igneous Casque being there. Um, yeah, so Loken asks him because Loken's a bit, he's a bit concerned about what's going on in this war council. So he says, I need someone who can read emotions and human aspects and subtlety more. Loken's like, I'm not, that's not me. I'm just, you know, he plays his skills down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm a straight up guy who just, you know, right and wrong, that's me, black and white. Yeah, and he knows, he knows Igneous Casque can be that cynical yeah. uh, almost like a journalist can yeah, be yeah, there exactly. and just look for what is the truth in what's happening right now and he's he's under his protection right still that that's how yeah, they yeah he has yeah. to he has to write everything he writes has to go through Loke and yeah yeah cool um, so afterwards um, Carcassi reports tells Loke in this and he says look you can see he's putting on this act Erebus and he's he's wind, he's doing something to um, push Horace and he also saw him pass something between, between was it between him and Abaddon? Uh, yes, yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, and um, and Lakin's like, oh, okay, well, that'd be interesting. And then suddenly Abaddon turns up, and <laughs> this bit's really funny. Like, he's he's like, get out of my way, stupid human and stuff. And he's like, oh, I have a question for you, Abaddon. This is Carcass. And he's like, oh, you could like literally like, nah, I'm not interested. And he just asks him anyway. He's like, well, what did you hand to Erebus? And, like, Abaddon literally erupts. And it's like, I'm going to rip your fucking head off. Yeah, yeah, he just, he, he becomes Abaddon that we know, yeah. yeah. And Loki's so like, <laughs> like, Loki's like, run. And, like, <laughs> somehow manages to get in the way, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that was a really funny scene. Doesn't he, um, yeah, he makes him, like, swear not to talk about it or something. Yeah. He's like, for your own sake, be quiet. Yeah. Um, so Erebus has pushed Horus's buttons, um, and Horus is now mobilising to go to, um, the moon, the moon, moon that's Davin. it, Davin's moon. Um, he, he, he personally is going to leave the spear tip for yeah. revenge on his, on his own honour, as they say. Oh, they do that really cool, um, Oath of Moment where Horus, Horus kneels and has Oath of Moment given to him by his sons, which I thought was really cool. That's a really nice touching scene. Yeah. Probably the last one you ever see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was good. And Loken, Loken takes it and yeah, they all, the others witness it. So yeah. That's yeah. Um, and it's a big fucking bunch of people that go to the moon. Um, it's like one, two, it's like five companies, which when you think about 40K, like one company is enough to do everything that needs to be done. Um, yeah. And then there's the Imperial Army. Yeah. Which have an amazing name. The Byzant Janizars, which I think is fucking cool. Like, yeah. That's just got so such an evocative name. And then there's Legio Mortis and... Three Titans. Three Titans and Erebus with his dudes. They're there as well. 
Um, and it's it's on the moons. Uh, it's a crashed. Well, not crashed. It's a landed ship, right? That's that's where there's there's like a base where they're getting a beacon from, which is really similar to what happened on in the first book. Yeah. So they're like they're going there, and they expect. He says, Erebus says that he's um, Temba has like fallen foul to the the evil magic of the locals, and he's set up his own rebellion on the moon. So they're not quite sure what it's going to be like, but as you say, they as they get closer, they start getting some messages, which is eerily like the first book in that it's that you know Samus, Samus is here, but this time it's Nerglyph. Yeah. And and Logan's like, ah, oh, here we go again, right? Yeah. <laughs> what? Bam, bam, so bam, he... bam. Like I do not want to be doing this. Yeah, but this time instead of it coming out of nowhere, they're like, oh no, it's coming from it's a ship Vox. It's really power. It's like an intergalactic ship box, and it's coming from one point. Like we can pinpoint this. This is not. This is not like a ghost voice that the Samus was. And he's Logan's like, okay, that's still unnerving, but that's not quite the same. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and just I know I know they're space marines, but like, come on, spot a trap when there's a trap. Like, yeah, yeah. but it's Horace. Horace telling them Horace comes with a box says it's propaganda let's just get down there and they're like yeah. okay <laughs> fine we will uh, and they get down there and it's all gone to shit everything's yeah, shit yeah so it's meant to be like a forest or dry it's not meant to, but when they get there it's basically it's a swamp yeah a colossal yeah. swamp like a galactic yeah. scale swamp um, and it's called uh, that, that, that's the end of that, ch- that, that part we end up on part two right yeah, so this is quite. Yeah, the first part's quite short. Yeah, yeah, it's a scene setting, catching us all back up, uh, introducing uh, what's going to be happening for the rest of the book, and then we go, bang, part two, Plague Moon, which is really evocative name. If you know the background of, regardless of like, if you know the background of Forty K and, and Warhammer and what Nurgle looks like, just the term Plague Moon tells you exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, and then I mean, yeah, in the previous one, you got the Nurglyph. Thing as well, so you're like, okay, this is Nurgle. Yeah, yeah. Which is one that I mean is that's easily the most most distinctive of probably the four chaos. I think that if you're going to do something like that, it's easily the most gross. I mean, yeah, like, that's Smith what it is has, to me. It's gross. It's just grim. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good it's a good one to use for anything. I think like it, this. it's the one humans have the most natural repulsion to, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I've, I think it's gross. Whereas, like the one that scares me the most, just on a side note, is Slanesh. Like the idea of excess and addiction. Um, yeah. Those are probably I mean, the easiest for humans to actually fall to. Um, oh yeah, I mean the Fulgrim book, man. That's probably actually one of the most disturbing <laughs> of all the books. Yeah. Because that is just gets so weird. And none of it's out yeah. the realms of possible for people to do. Jump oh in. yeah. <laughs> it's, that's what frightens me so much about it. It's, yeah. yeah, and it's Saturday night in like Brighton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Many of those going down West Street. Yeah. Getting getting my Sunesh on. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> just making myself laugh. Going in spoons. Can I have two pints of Sunesh, please? <laughs> yeah, a glass of tits. <laughs> um, so uh, where are we? So they're on. They're on the plague moon. They've landed. It's a proper swamp, and they didn't realise it's so, like everything's fucked. Like they can't do anything, so they have to just walk. 
Yeah, so, yeah, and they quickly, like, outpace the army. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. like, the, lead, the titans to sort of land, and they're, like, halfway up their legs already, and it's yeah. like, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, where the fuck is... How has this happened? Um, yeah. And then they... So, we didn't mention her... We mentioned her in the character, but what's her face? Um, Petronella, the the remembrancer who's deemed herself Horace's writer through yes. through her arrogance of just, like, I am now your writer... I'm really important. She'd taken her ship unauthorized from uh, from the Ventral Spirit, hadn't she? And she's flown down. Cause yeah. So uh, we we skipped over the, in the first bit as well. That she comes to Horace and says, "I should be your remembrancer." Yada yada yada. And um, Horace immediately goes like sort of dismisses her. He's like, "No, no, I don't need to do this." That, yeah. And she gets really pissed off. And he's like, he finds that really funny, and he's like, I, I was always gonna like um, have you as my remembrancer, but like from, I can judge a person within like two two seconds. That's like his one of his special powers, I guess, is that he's really good at judging people and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. And um, but he just like wanted to see her get really fiery and like fight for her position. Then he's he uh, yeah. So he says that, and then. He says, but he says he can't come with her to Dove and Moon, yeah. and she thinks he's he like does like a wink and goes, "You can't come." Wink, wink. Yes, you can. Which I think she totally misreads. But yeah, yeah, it's very much this is a legion business. Stay yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so she, being a dickhead, takes her ship and flies down there anyway, um, and that that becomes important in a moment. Um, mm-hmm. But so they land and uh, the legion mobilizes what they can mobilize and they head towards the the beacon, the ship that's like literally a fucking spaceship, but on yeah, the planet. Yeah, massive. Like it's like a, a mountain. Um, and they walk through the fog and the marsh, and it's really disgusting and gross. Um, and they get there, um, and then they come under attack quite quickly. And yeah, like they can like find something, feel something, so you like puts his hand in the swamp and pulls up like a skeleton and he's like oh it's got the uniform of the 63rd this is this is the rebels and then suddenly like the skeleton just like grabs his neck and tries to bite his head off and he's like oh shit and then, zombies yeah, everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah and then suddenly like 10,000 fucking zombies just appear in the middle of their force yeah. which doesn't matter how good space marines are numbers will, will always bring them down like that's yeah, probably like their biggest weakness. Yeah, they're days later zombies. Aren't yeah, they? they're not. They're not like they're quick and strong. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 Nurgle empowered corpses that are pulling space marines underwater by the hundreds. It's that's frightens the shit out of me. There's a great scene where uh, where Logan's pulled under, and he's trying to like get back up, and all the water's flush, flooding in through his mouth grill. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Um, so they start blowing zombies away, but they're taking punishment, aren't they? They like. They're not like a human. They're not. They're not. They're hitting them, and the bullets are exploding, but they're not dropping. They have to keep. No. Um, I think he orders headshots only. Yeah, like, and then because they've outpaced like the, you know, the ammo trucks and ammo supplies, they literally have to go to chainsaws and fists pretty quickly. Which is always what you want when you're a space marine. Yeah. You start punching heads in. Um, so they fight the. Well, we know they're plague zombies. Um, or pox walkers, I guess you know, kind of yeah, like what pretty, I'm much, yeah. pretty much like that. Um, and so it becomes a moving 
battle because they work their way towards the ship while fighting these fucking hordes off. And um, yeah, I think part of them as well. They're trying to because he, they can't see each other as well. Maybe they're also trying to like regroup a little. So they know he knows like Baden's on one flank and Horace is on the other flank or something. So they're trying to. Oh yeah, because there's a huge amount of mist, isn't there? It's like yeah. rolling, disgusting Nurgle mist, and they can't see anything, and they can't really communicate by their comms. Mm. Um, and that's where Petronella's story comes back in, with her taking her ship. Is it flies down to the surface of the planet towards the beacon, and then hits the same foggy mist that they can't see anything, uh, and the Deus Array, also blinded, has, you know, like all Titans, they have anti-air. It notices something flying, and it, because it's unauthorized, it's not registered as a, I don't know what the right word is, legal airspace. Well, yeah, they're like everything's landed. This is not. This is not. Whatever yeah, that is, shoot it down. This shouldn't be out here. Yeah. And it basically, he's like, should we fire? He finds like, fuck it, just fire. Like we don't know what worse, it is. If it's yeah. an enemy, then. Yeah. So they blow her ship out of the sky, yeah. which crashes near the battle, um, and. Her and her bodyguards survive, uh, but they crash in the middle of a bunch of plague zombies. But the fire from the ship creates a beacon for the rest of the force, so they all move towards it. So yeah. it's kind of luck, I guess. Kind of lucky that happened. Yeah, um, yeah. But and, um, Magard goes on a mad one. Yeah, he helps, basically defends her, and... Um... Yeah, he's pretty hench. He just takes takes a few takes basically holds his own against a horde of nervous zombies. Of, yeah. yeah, and um, he, didn't she mention like his sword or something? Something about his sword is like takes life and soul. So there's like, yeah, so it's cutting through him really easily. Yeah, and it's like he's killing them outright. So it must be disconnecting whatever psychic yeah. powers are, you know, witchy poo powers mm. are um, keeping him intact. And then Horus gets there, uses it as a beacon to rally everyone. And are they like really impressed with Maga? They're like, oh, you're fucking well good. That's, yeah, like, that was um, awesome. For a human, you're fucking hench. Yeah, so like, he basically shouts at Petronella and he like applauds Maga and so he like, pisses her off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they re rally and they go, right, Horus is like, I've had enough of this. I need to go do my job. I need to go get Temba. Um,. And then, like, there's a bit of an argument about them trying to make Horus realise he's being a bit irrational. It's like, it's still a fucking hench spaceship. We should probably just smash the shit out of it with Titans, seeing as we have them. Oh, yeah, just orbital bombard the shit out of it. Yeah, like, why are we here? Let's just blow it up. It doesn't really matter. But Horus is like, no, it's about me. Yeah, it's personal, yeah. Yeah, this time it's personal. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, they do blow some of it apart, don't they? Which, like, damages the ship a bit. Yeah, he like just tells the Titans like uh, strafe run it basically. Yeah, and just um, yeah, they uh, pepper it, and then he says he's going to take. Oh, he says, so he says he's going to take four companies with him, leaving Torgadin and Loken as the rear guard, which yeah. is as is interesting because that would never normally have happened at the beginning of this series. Loken was. Definitely in favour, and Loken would have always, and Torgarden would have usually have led the spear tip and most. Oh, yeah. At least, yeah, yeah. Especially over who he takes. So he takes uh, Captain, who's Mar? Yeah, Mar and Moore. The Moore, e- the so e- Moore or Mar that he takes, I can't remember. One of them, he takes with him, and he's like, Loken's like, you know, the guy's a, as a captain and respected, but he is not 
he's not us. Like he is not the high level that we, you know, we're part of the Mournable. We shouldn't be left here to defend the rear. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's cracked up that there's definitely a split and divide and maybe Horace is sort of aware that Loke and, and Torgadon are not really on the same wavelength as maybe his mind is moving. Yeah, his mind is the way his mind is going. So yeah, yeah, Moy, yeah. it's Moy. I just remembered. Yeah, that, it, right. Just very quickly, there's two of them, right? There's yeah, yeah. There's Tybalt Mar and Verulam Moor. Yeah, so they're the Ether and the Or. They're like best buds. Yeah, they're basically. I think it's they're almost twins. Basically, yeah. it's not said they are twins, but they just basically maybe they're from the same. When they grew up together and stuff, and they've just always, they just work really well together. Yeah, and they've got like a weird symbiotic. Yeah, like connection. They know they always know what to do to help the other one, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so he takes four companies in. He leaves Ta- Loken and Torgadon outside. They feel a bit like oh fuck, um, pissed off the boss, uh, and then they the ship falls over when they're in it. Yeah. So also to indicate, or Erebus and his. Um, word bears have gone round the back as per se <laughs> in, a, in a dodgy way that it sounds basically like, which is, is important because you'll find out later of why Erebus has wanted to do that so he's oh, gone to the actually, other I never side picked of the ship up on that. So he said oh, we'll, we'll yeah. take we'll come in from this side and we'll... I never ever picked up on that that completely passed me by which is because yeah because what is Erebus carrying he's carrying that he's the sword the uh, anathema anathema yeah from it and that's as we'll discuss that's how that winds up in the hands of as uh Temper. yeah so, so he, to get yeah. to that point, so they 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 get in the ship and say, yeah. uh, they all get separated out a little bit don't they which i thought was a really nice um parallel to the known story at the time about the emperor getting onto horus's ship at the final battle so like that's been around for yeah. like 20 years like the emperor with um, Sanguinius and as many men as they could take with them, you know, shoot up to Vengeful Spirit and immediately get separated. And when the Emperor gets to... Yes. When the Emperor gets to Horus, Sanguinius is lying on the floor dead. And there's this, like, lovely parallel here. Do you know what I mean? Like, they get on oh, the yeah, ship. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I didn't and thought about that as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's the nice ship's effect. all corrupted yeah. and it's like it's like this mirroring story, but, like almost foreshadowing more corruption um, yeah. more personal to Horus so I just yeah that's what I thought of when I reread that scene I was just like oh this is really similar yeah um, so, so yeah so the ship collapses and like Horus gets like a you know like a steel bar for his chest like just pulls it out and like he's, his body's already healing which is in, I think is a good point because it's like setting up the scene of like well uh whole metal bar could go through a Primarch's body and he can heal and it's not an issue and that is a good contrast to what happens later yeah, yeah. when he finally meets he gets to Temba after working his way through like hordes of zombies and then they suddenly like disappear like they vanish and he's like oh yeah, that's yeah. really weird and then he gets into the the um, command deck and there's like this it's described so well because it's gross of just like this huge bloated like four hundred pound human, like its body is like bursting out of its skin. Basically, it's gross. All, all I could see in my head was like a great unclean one. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, but I know it's, it's like not. It's like a tiny little leg on human yeah, legs. Yeah, it's all I could see in my head. And yeah, just really vile. And what we know Nurgle does to people. Yeah. And then, like, he describes all like, the victory banners that had, like, people sewn into them and things like that. It's, yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, and then and that... what is he doing when he gets there? Or at, the, at his body is Varuna Moy, which yeah. has had his neck broken. He's dead. He's one, He's dead, dead, one dead captain. Which Horace is not happy about. Yeah. Um, so he fucking flies at him in a rage. Yeah, and like he has this, they have this sort of pretty cool I know, sword battle. It's like a yeah, old-fashioned duel. And Horace is surprised by how quick this huge bloated mass of a human can move. Mm. And all the time, this Timber guy as well is like spouting shit of like telling him about the warp and about chaos. And Horace is like, this is just making me want to kill you even more. He's like, not, doesn't want to believe it maybe, doesn't want to take it in. Yeah. Um, so then they, they fight loads. He gets hurt a bit. He hurts... Um, Timber. Eventually, he bests Timber. I can't remember how he does it, but he definitely. Oh yeah, so um, Horace gets his shoulder pad knocked off, and like before they have a battle, Timber says, like whispers to the sword, "It's anathema." He says, "Horace Lupicol," and that's the way that this sword works. Is if you say the name of a person to it, it sort of like hones into your DNA or something, and it like. I think Horace says like when he's fighting it, like the he's fighting the sword rather than the yeah uh, person wielding it. It's sort of yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So he gets stabbed in the shoulder by it, but at the same time, when that happens, I think he swings around and cuts the arm off that's yeah. holding the sword. So yeah. Yeah, um, and so Horace Horace beats him, and as he beats him, he sort of reverts back to Timber Bar reverts back to being. Timber, and he becomes him again. Yeah. Um, and he's just like, oh my god, I can't believe how I've been corrupted, and warns him of chaos without saying chaos, right? He's like... Um, he says he sees a vision of the future where the Imperium's burning and it's destroyed and it's run by... He is interesting because he says it's the Emperor's dead, the Imperium is falling to ruin and it's being run by, he says like bureaucrats and things like that. Which oh, is so, interesting. Yeah, so he's not actually warning him about chaos. He's warning him about the future if he doesn't make the decisions he makes. Yes. So he's actually which, pushing him. <laughs> yeah, which plays on Horace's mind because he's getting really pissed off that the Imperium is being run by this Council of Terror and being run by lawyers and bean counters. Yeah. So that's playing on Horace's mind because he's not happy with what's happening with the state of the Imperium. He thinks it should be run by the warriors who who win the Imperium. He would, he, you know, yeah. We've risked our lives to win it. We should be running the show. Yeah, but actually, yeah. he's warning him that if he does, you know, if he does fall to chaos, this is that is what happens. Horus falls to chaos, and it happens. That's what because 40k of is. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's self-fulfilling. It's very annoying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he then gets out of the ship and immediately collapses, I believe. Um, yeah, so yes, it's like he, they find, well, they find him, they, they, the rest of the guys find him and he's like sobbing, saying, it's my fault, I shouldn't have left him here, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done that. And this is where like everything is building on top of Horace. This is, he is taking all the ways from failure, he thinks they're his failures and 
it's just this layer upon layer of building up of like Horace's state of mind at this point where yeah, it's, yeah. he is just literally like you can see it, cracks and cracks upon cracks of that he cannot he's not cannot handle what the job is basically yeah yeah he's uh, I said that last time last episode yeah. like he was the wrong man for the job yeah because pride is what kept him going forward and if you damage someone's pride they start cracking yeah exactly all you needed so, was an amazing bu- bureaucrat someone like Gilliman Gilliman yeah, would yeah. be a way better war master exactly yeah exactly you just need someone who doesn't really have any pride like ego I mean he probably does have I mean Gilliman has some ego but he is far more yeah Excel spreadsheet rather than yeah exactly <laughs> Excel spreadsheet over Snapchat stories yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so yeah, they find him, they carry him outside, and it's when he's outside he collapses, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh and they all the Mournville freak the fuck out, like they're like they've never seen him like this. They all freeze and like Petronella's the only one that runs over. Yeah. And then Lucan's like instantly he snaps out as well and he's like he feels really ashamed that they none of them have moved to help. Yeah, because it's like, just outside like, the realms of possibility. Like, to yeah. them, that just would never happen. Um, and then they get him on a ship and they shoot back up to the um, vengeful spirit to get him in front of the um, the Medicaid people. Um, and this is probably the most powerful scene in the book for me. This is the tipping point for the Astartes. So without Horus being involved, the the what happens on the embarkation deck is like super super important to the how the humans view space marines and how the space marines view themselves and deal with shame. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, definitely. So this scene is set up. They're coming back, and then it cuts to Cascasi and Oliton, and mm-hmm. they find Euphrates Kila, who was the one who witnessed um, the guy, the marine, turn into like a demon, war yeah. demon, yeah, head, and she's handing out Leto. Divinitatis pamphlets, and they're like, you can't do that. You know, that's a, you know, that's illegal. And they sort of have, they have an argument about it. She goes away, and then they hear everyone start, starts running towards the embark embarkation deck. Yeah, and by this point, it's known that Horus has fallen. Some people think he's dead. Um, well, yeah, most think he's dead. Yeah, so yeah. they're like, they try and follow them, and then they're like, oh, we're never going to get there. So they go up to the they go up to the observation deck overlooking. And then, as you say, this is where they witness the horror that happens. Yeah. So, the 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 ship lands. The gang rank gang rank gang ramp drops down, and carrying Horus are space marines. Was um, Loken one of the people involved? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. So all of our boys, uh, you know, people are stupid. Like, why are you getting in the way of space marines that are clearly in a rush? <laughs> But um, without even thinking about it, the humans, I, I, I don't even know the numbers, but there's an awful lot of them, are blocking the way dozens, for space. I think it's dozens, yeah, yeah. maybe up to 100 or so. Yeah, yeah, they're in the way. The space marines are in a rush. Their commander, who should never die, is dying. And they just smash them all out of the way. And it is savage. It's so grim. Like It's not with weapons. They don't whip chainsaws out. They just don't stop moving. And they like do... Punch. Punch people's heads in, basically. Yeah, they, they lash out. They're backhanding people out of the way to get them out of the way, and they're doing it with force. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, like, you know, booting them out of the way, smacking them, forgetting, probably not forgetting, but not caring, that a space marine backhanding a human will probably take their head off. 
<laughs> like it's a solid metal piece of metal. That's all it is. It's it's an iron bar moving at pace. Um, and people are like mortally wounded, wounded, dead, uh, everything and in between. Um, and they don't even think about it. The Marvel just keep power, the Marvel power through um, and take Horus to uh, the Medicaid deck. Um, and and yeah, the, 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 the Mondresses are watching it like, whoa, like, what yeah. the fuck? And this is where he turns. This is where like he has he gets inspired, doesn't he, to write the truth about this whole crusade and about you know space marines and about how he feels about everything. This is like mm. his inspiration to reveal the truth, the real horror of this all. So yeah, yeah, it was very. Um, um, do you like the comic? The Watchman. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so like, I'm a really big fan of Alan Moore and I love The Watchman. And I love that. I've always loved the concept of who watches The Watchman. Yeah. yeah. The, the idea that what is the acceptable level of power before power becomes its own power. So like, how can... He's the first one to suddenly go, oh God, these are actually killing machines that no one on this floor right now can do anything about. And they're supposed to be protecting us, and they've just shown absolute disregard. They're not our protectors. Um, yeah, exactly. And I, I love it's all, that. all well and good when their guns are pointing at the enemy, but when they suddenly, if they could suddenly turn around and point at us, it's like pure horror. Yeah, he has the sudden realization that there's nothing stopping them from turning around, apart from their word, and it doesn't really mean much to him. Um, and without the emperor there anymore as well, it's yeah. It feels like everyone is feeling the effect of the Emperor not being there anymore. Yeah. I think once the Emperor was there, everyone, all Primates were sort of happy. Everyone was, could you know, feel that he was closer to them and just felt, everything felt good. Yeah. And as soon as literally he goes away, it's like children squabbling yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's when uh, <laughs> Euphrates Aquila starts handing out more Letitio Divinitatis um, pamphlets. Yeah. She just walks around going, here you go, here's a book. Um, so then we cut back to the the team take the, the you know the guys taking the apothecaries, sorry Horus to the apothecaries, and they can't keep him alive. He's dying, like his blood's clotting. I think like he's it's gelling up, and they don't they just have no idea what to do. He's not, yeah, he's not of he's not an Astartes. He's not even a human. He there's no they don't understand how his body works, which seems like a yeah, massive oversight. They say like. like if I was if I was a Primarch, I'd want to know how my body works. Yeah, I guess it's you know like in olden times when people you know medicine were like, oh, it's God's work. This is the Emperor's work. You should, mm. It's above us. Yeah, but yeah I guess it, he says it's like a human trying to operate on a on the space marine. Like they just even have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they start panicking and running out of ideas. And then yeah, about like, literally threatening the doctor, like the apothecary is like going against the wall. He's like. That is not helping. Yeah, fix him or I will rip your fucking head off. And they're like, come on, man. About to calm down. That's not going to do anything. Um, yeah, so he says it's like a virus and it's like targeting his uh, Horace's body specifically. So he's like, maybe if I could find the weapon that hurt him, maybe we could do some tests and we know a bit more. So that's where Logan's like, right, I'll do that. I'm yeah. going to find the sword. Yeah, logic. Just logic kicks back in for him. Like, right, I, there's a puzzle piece. I'll go find that piece. So he goes yeah. back, and they take Mar with them because he wants to see where Moy died. And then... Yeah. Uh, 
Torgan as well. Yeah, Torgan goes, and this is where Erebus snakes his way back in. Oh yeah, yeah. So they well, so yeah. So Torgaden, Loken, and Mar they go back to Darwin's Moon, and they're looking for the for the sword. We know it was the sword. And um, while that's happening, they have a lodge. The other guys have a lodge meeting, and we see it from Axum, which I think was interesting. Was Axum's or Little Horace's point of view? Yeah. He gets invited to the lodge, and we and we sort of follow him down there, and he's obviously emotional because Horace is dying and they're all like Erebus is there and we find out obviously Erebus is basically the one that sort of started these lodges he's like the founding member of it basically which yeah. is weird because he's not a son of Horace or Luna Wolf and he, they say like I've heard there's a healing house on Darwin so the house of the serpent serpent lodge and they're the only they're the only way that we can save him yeah and like Avon's very quick to just go. All right, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, except Axelmund. Yeah, he's Axelmund. against it. Yeah, which is interesting because you always think he's actually, you know, he's like a bad and he's not against. He's not. He's against Loken. He's, you know, he's not. He's not a good guy, basically. But he, he's against this. He's. I feel like he's just dragged along the path of what. With the others, in a way. Yeah, um, a reluctant bad guy in a way. Yeah. And then, as you find out later as the story goes on, he ends up falling too deep that he can't not be one anymore. <laughs> like he's, yeah. his his choice is made. Um, but yeah, he's not uh, a bad and where Banner's like, right, I want to kill everyone and I want to do anything that I would to save Horace. I you know he Abana is definitely wants Hor- he says something as well, doesn't he? He says. He's like basically says like fuck the emperor. I you know I would do anything to save Horace. Yeah. And Axman is like if if it wasn't for you, brother, I would kill you. If it wasn't you, I would kill you where you stood for saying that. Yeah. Because he basically blasphemes against the emperor, and that's a bad one. He doesn't care about the emperor at this point. He thinks he's they've left. He's the emperor's left them behind, and Horace has always been there for us. So the he's not quite on so, that point, but yeah. yeah, he's dragged along the way. Yeah. No, it's fucking amazing. Um, it, it, that that's when you're like, right, yeah, it's happening. Shit's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, and they do it. They take him, right? Um, yeah. Uh, before, while Loken and Torgan are not there, so they they go. Well, we need a full vote, and Loken's not a member of the lodge, so he doesn't have his vote wouldn't matter. And they say, oh, Torgan would be with us, so we, we're counting his vote for to do this, yeah. which we know is not true. So. No. No, so they take Horus to the Serpent Lodge um, and they take him there and just as they finish setting him up in there, uh, Loken and Torgadon come back with the... They've got the sword, right? They've, they've been to the moon, they've got the sword. Now, yeah. um, now they're there and they fucking... Loken loses his shit. Like, where is Erebus? What the fuck yeah, has he guys knows. done? Erebus says, oh, the Interrex said we stole a sword. And Loken was like, they never said it was a sword. <laughs> and Erebus was like, oh, are you sure about that? Oh, yeah, it was a sword. And then he finds the sword and it fits the box that he's, I think a box that he's found. Yeah. And um, he's like, fuck, it was Erebus. Erebus gave Temba the sword. What? He, he, like, he knows, but he, he doesn't have enough proof. He just, he knows that it's Erebus. Yeah, and I guess... The... enough proof. And because he's still in this sort of denial of like, why would a brother do that? Yeah, I mean, that that's the big thing is um, 
the chaos have the one thing they have over the Imperium at this point is uh, it, it there's it's unexplainable. No one would ever think anything like that would happen. Um, so there, there's no way that his mind can connect that puzzle because it's out the realms of possible. Whereas Erebus is already 60, 70 years down the line. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, the Morval basically split up here, don't they? They're no longer yes. they're no longer of one opinion. Yeah, so they're sort of they're outside of this lodge, and the whole thing is that you go into this lodge and it's ten days or something. So it's a length of time, and if he comes out after that, then he'll live or he'll be dead. And they're sort of more of all the rest of the, quite a few of them that stood outside of this lodge where the door the doors are sealed by the time Loke and and Torgad and get there. Yeah. And they're like, why did you do it? I can't believe you did this. And I think Lakin says, um, predicts or something like that. He says, like, we'll regret this. Like, not like a threat, but it just says, like, a. Yeah, it's not said as a threat. It's a prediction, maybe. Yeah, or just, it's sadness. He just feels like this it's, is the point. Yeah. No, it, it's, for me, it's sadness. It's, um, what have we done? Like, oh, God, yeah. we've, we've, we've just gone against everything we believe in. Um, where there's no coming back from this, like, and I bet part of them are thinking things like, you know, the emperor has censured other legions for far less. Like, if the emperor found <laughs> out that they'd put him in a, a sorcerer's tent to fucking fix him, that'd be it. The emperor wouldn't have that. Um, so they must must be truly bricking it. Like, that's the logical bit of Logan being like, this is just not right. This is completely wrong. Yeah. Um, okay, and, and he's that... also he can't find er- he can't find Erebus, so he's like, "Where the fuck is Erebus? I want to speak to Erebus." And they're like, "Everyone's like, oh, we don't know where he is." Yeah, fuck knows where that guy. And is. I just thought that's like another inclination of like, shit's not right. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's how part two ends is with um, Abaddon and Logan basically coming nearly coming to blows about it, like. Um, Loken basically says, "I wouldn't do this." I'd not. I don't think he actually says it, but Abaddon's like, "We'll do anything to make sure he stays alive. Absolutely anything." And Loken yeah, says, yeah. "I wouldn't. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't. I'd rather he died, essentially." And we have our values and our principles, and it's pretty it gets pretty violent. And doesn't Axeman like try to stop the argument? I think so. Yeah, I think he's. He, he tries to get in the middle. And he's like, guys, 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 look, there's there's the moon. Isn't that cool? And he says something <laughs> like, oh, it's an omen. Horus will be fine. And Logan's just like, now we're talking about fucking omens. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, what has happened there? It's like I entertained your idea with the ritual, of the mournival, because I was, you know, I just entertained it. But this is fucking ridiculous now. <laughs> yeah, now we're talking about heresy. This is disgusting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's it. That's the end of part two. Then we move on to. Part three, which um, sounds like a really amazing hip hop album, in the house of false gods. Yeah, <laughs> in the house of false gods. It's so cool. It's like um, yeah, like some sort of like nineties hip hop album, like from New York, <laughs> in the house of false gods. Um, so this is a totally different point of view. This entire section. Yeah, um, it's the bit I think people uh, have a bit of an issue with in this book, because this is the bit where people quest. think, oh. This is the bit where Horace falls. This is the this is the point where Horace technically falls to chaos. I guess. I guess that for me it's a misinterpretation because people say it happened too quick and it's like oh so he had a dream and then he fell to chaos. I think no. 
he had all of his um, all of his built up pent up opinions and attitudes of what he thinks of the Imperium confirmed in front of him and he took it as literal as truth so it yeah. just it was just the the little push in the pool it, he already wanted to swim it was just that last little right yeah cool everything I think is right I think everything that's basically happened since Ulanor is has always been on this path yeah absolutely I don't think this is I think it's a misunderstanding if if, if, pe- if people think that it was just he was totally fine and then had a dream and in that dream decided he was going to overthrow his father I think yeah it had been coming for a long time because um, uh, he's a narcissistic weak minded fool that you know is uh, just full of pride um but yeah, there's, I, yeah, he definitely he is of the point of view that he can see the empire is changing at this point, yeah. where it's going to become a stable empire, possibly run by humans. And Horace is like, that's not right because probably I'll be forgotten. Everyone will praise the emperor, where I basically have taken, finished the job, and people probably aren't going to respect me as much. So yeah. yeah. And what I find fascinating is in this dream quest, which he gets taken on by a hidden Erebus. So Erebus is there, a dead Erebus. Erebus has his throat slit in the circle yeah. blood room. It's really um, funny because, yeah, he doesn't know that's going to happen. So. And it just happens. It has to be treachery, doesn't it? As part of the ritual, um, his throat yeah. has to be slit in treachery and he doesn't know that bit. So there's like a priestess. She slits his throat. He ends up in the dream. In this like serpent lodge, it's like fully protected by mechanicum stuff to hide it, so that there's no like um, outward presence of the warp, so that it's completely off everyone's radar. Like they cannot know what's going on in there. So that shows that like this has been planned for a very very long time. You know this, yes. this backward water, backward water society didn't have this like fucking mechanicum uh, sound chamber like just suddenly there. Um, so Erebus goes into the walk where Horus currently is swimming around um, and Horus is like wandering around in like Sussex Downs is how I pictured it in my head yeah so I think it's trying to work into like this is a beautiful place and then he's it interjects the industrial horror of the Imperium and what it's going to become and it's yeah yeah and which you know if it stayed the way it was going with the Crusade or if it became the 41st millennium I don't think it would look that different I think no. humanity was always going one way, um, raping planets for resources. But um, yeah, he, he 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 Erebus takes him on a journey, but he's he hides himself. He's not actually Erebus. He's um, cast Sejanus. himself as Sejanus, who was um, beautiful Sejanus. Beautiful Sejanus. <laughs> yeah, Horus's favorite captain, who was yeah. killed in the beginning of the first book. Um, but while they're down there, so Erebus is showing him around, showing him what the future will look like. Uh, and what's funny is it is the future, but it's the future because of the decisions Horus makes. Yeah. But it's played as this is the future, irregardless. Um, and he's being positioned. Uh, the Chaos Gods and Erebus are positioning it in a clever way that really picks at sticks a knife in that knife wound of Horace's ego of not being remembered. Um, you know, like, oh, 10,000 years from now, they'll venerate the god and these nine other Primarchs, but not you. 
you won't be remembered. Yeah. Which um, is interesting. It is all the um, loyal Primarchs to the Emperor. Yeah, I think it is a true vision. Yeah. I think it is a real vision. It's a um, it's a shrine world, which there's loads of in the forty first millennium. I think it's absolutely real, but it's um, it's the real future because that is how the future turns out because of the decisions he makes um which i think is just a horrible irony um so he takes them machine they're being chased by wolves aren't they yeah which is magnus yeah they've all got one eye which is hilarious so magnus back on prospero he's seen this coming he knows what's going on but he doesn't have time to get there and warn horus so he starts his own uh, spooky doings and yeah, he, like has basically hundreds and thousands of thralls that are basically killed to power his warp magic. Yeah, which is so gross. <laughs> no, it's like I've got to save the empire, so I'm going to kill thousands of people to do this. Yeah, yeah, off I go. Uh, so he powers himself into the warp off the battery power of his people, um, and he he look he's a, like a spooky wolf with one eye with a scar down the other and he's chasing them he's trying to keep up with Sejanus slash Erebus and Horus he's trying to warn Horus to like but he can't get there and Erebus is showing him more and more grim visions of the future you know there is only war um, you know the Emperor is positioning himself to become a god look here they are worshipping him as one you've seen it happening already um, that's why he's gone back to the Emperor's palace he's going to get rid of you and get rid of some of your brothers and blah 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 yeah, and he tells him about chaos as well. He's like, "No, chaos don't want don't want to control mankind. It's just because the emperor is trying to attack them and destroy them. So they just want, yeah, it's yeah." So he starts like parlaying on chaos's behalf. Yeah, like they can make you powerful. They can help us overthrow your father. All this jazz, and then the final thing he so I think it, the final I think he meets. Um, oh no, no! The, the last thing he shows him is the. Uh, the chamber pods on terror yes so he takes Horus into a room which is uh, on terror it's under the uh, under the Himalayas and it's where the uh, where the Primark project was being taken place so there's all these like cryo chambers and Horus is like walking down them looking at the numbers and it's you know numbered 1 to 20 in in Roman numerals yeah and he looks in number 11 and he's like oh that's brother (laughs) yeah yeah and everyone's like oh tell us more um, but no one around Horus can see him, right? Like he's like a, he's there but not there. Like I'm sure if he pushed someone over, they'd fall over, but they wouldn't know why they fell over. They, yeah, they instantly forget him. So like, even if they do see him or interact, they just inst- like the split second later they forget that he's there. Yeah. So it's constantly forget. They might see him, but they just constantly forget. So yeah. So he and then so he's wandering around, and then an alarm goes off or something, right? Yeah, and this is where the point where Sejanus is saying that the Emperor has bargained with the Warp Gods to use... He's, like, ripped them off, basically. He's taken their power to create these Primarchs, to create Horus himself, but he's, like, going to double-cross them or things like that. Yeah, it's kind of like he's bargained with the Warp to get what he wants. Yeah. And Yeah, and that's not fair. Um... Yeah, it's, it's basically saying he's... He's like a hypocrite, almost, the Emperor. Yeah. He's, he's not fair. He's, he's doing he's, this to become a god himself. He's yeah, he's gonna... used god magic to build himself up to become a god while telling everyone there are no gods. Yeah. False gods everywhere. 
great title. Um, but then an alarm goes off and a warp vortex appears in the middle of the room and this is old canon. They were all pulled, all the Primarchs were pulled into a warp storm and then shot across the galaxy and Horus is in the room as it happens. Yeah, he's actually been attacked by custodian guards at this point as well. Yeah, yeah, so they run in and they see him immediately and just charge at him and he recognises some of them. Yeah, he, um, Constant, what's his name? Uh, Constantine Valdor. Valdor yeah, he's there and he, he, he sees him. Yeah, so this is why I don't know how true it all is because surely Constantine Valdor would have re- recognised Horus when he saw him, what, like 30 years later probably? Yeah, and is Valdor older than the Primarchs? I don't know, I mean, possibly. I think I think they are. I think the, the Primarchs, yeah, the Custodes are old. They're all. They've been around for a long time. Like they're they're pre um, Thunder Warrior, so they're like the first creations of um, the Emperor, as in the first genetically modified. Mm. So they're the, yeah, they are definitely older, but I, it makes me wonder if Constantine Valdor was really there, or if it really was what happened there. Do you know what I mean? Because surely they'd remember him. But, yeah. Cause, but he kills most of them anyway, doesn't he? Or all of them, bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and then he gets sucked into the vortex, and it cuts to it cuts back to the ship. I think, yeah, with Loken. He goes to find Cinderman. Um, oh yeah, this is a bit where it's quite interesting. Where Cinderman, at all this point, has been like reading about demons constantly after seeing that thing at the Whisperhead. Yeah, he's he's a changed man. He's no longer an orator. He's no longer promoting the Imperial Creed. He's just locked himself away in a library. Yeah, and he tells them this, finds this book, and it's like about the old world, and it's like this prophecy about a person called Horus, funny enough, and he brings about the destruction and downfall of Earth, or something like that, I can't remember the Yeah, it's, it's like bringing back chaos. Uh, is it spelt funny, or did I imagine it? Yeah, it is, yeah, it is spelt differently, yeah. Yeah, and um, but he also like talks about the connections of snakes and... Satan and all of this like old worldy fire and brimstone yeah and um, it freaks Loken out a bit because of obviously the Serpent Lodge um, uh, and that that kind of what he knows about the Whisperheads and stuff um, so they have a really deep chat which is is it the Chronicles of Ur? yeah that's the book isn't ones, it yeah. yeah it's the Chronicles of Ur. Um I'd love it if they made that into a book like, yeah. just go and make that, I'd buy it. I, I want to read an old-timey, spooky warp story. Uh, but then there, Karsky's been writing his Astartes story as well, his poem, sorry, about uh, what happened on the deck. Um, yes, um, he's like, basically writing poems about how the truth about the space marines and things like that, yeah, so which is causing issues because they're being distributed across the entire fleet. So... Yeah, um, who else is up to stuff? Because they're just trying to catch us all up, aren't they, in this bit? Yeah. Um, oh. Someone's on Davin, is it? Um... Keeler's on Davin, and they have, like, they're having basically massive lecto divinitatis um, sermons and stuff, basically. So it's all kicking off outside, yeah. where Horus is, like, slowly falling to chaos, and people are becoming more and more Horus-focused, and, you know, becoming traitors... There's also, in the midst of it, the absolute opposite end of the spectrum, 
it's all happening like right there. It's fascinating. Like a massive camp, isn't there? Like, yeah. People have, like... And she gets the shit kicked out of her, doesn't she? Oh yeah, the uh, Titan guy does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, like, they break. They break her camera, and then this is where Torgadin turns up and like beats the shit out of them and says, um, "I've been come to collect you." I've been told, and he's like, "Oh, this Logan asked for me." He's like, "Oh no, it's not Logan, but I'm doing it for Logan." Yeah, yeah. and she, um, Cinderman, wants to speak to her. Yeah, and that's when they are oh, such a good bit. They start translating Lorgar's tattoos on his head. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, this is the key to trans." I don't know how this works, but it's the key to translating the book of Lorgar. Yeah, so they find the book of Lorgar, don't they? Yeah, oh, no, no, which it's, is... it's, they, they they get the Colchisian. Um, language and they start looking at the tattoos on his head and they try to work out what it says using photographs that she'd taken or of Erebus yeah yeah that's it and they read it out and it fucking summons a demon yeah like a, it's like a pink horror or something, <laughs> there's a fucking it? demon the pink horror pops up in the fucking library and starts setting fire to everything um and what's her face the astropath or oh, Ingmay Singh yeah what a name yeah. uh she's there um, and she saves them because she she stays loyal until her demise, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's there's characters in there that are doing the right stuff. Um, uh, so that, that freaks them um, them out even more. And Cinderman, I think, becomes a totally different man from this point. Oh yeah, this is where Keela becomes the saint, basically, as well, isn't it? It's where like the horror is like um, about to burn the door down, and Ingmay sings like I can't hold him back, and then she like grabs hold of her Lecto Divinitatis. Aquila trinket, and she's like, by the power of the emperor. Or something. Oh yeah, and she starts chanting, and it just fucking blows the demon away. And then yeah, she, and like, yeah, she collapses. Burns into her hands, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then she she passes out. Yeah. And they take her to the hospital. Um, and, and then we've got like saint. This is where. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then we wrap up part three with uh, Magnus back in the warp. Magnus. Catches up and starts warning Horus. Like yeah, he literally finds he's like Erebus is there, like and he literally rips the Sejanus face off Erebus and is like, "This is who is trying to trick you. It's him." And there and Horus is like, "Yeah, I knew it wasn't Sejanus, right?" <laughs> yeah, he knew he knew it wasn't Sejanus. He knew he was yeah. in the warp, but it didn't mean anything he saw wasn't what he wanted to see. Like he agreed with everything he saw, um, and then. Does he decide when he's in the warp that that's it? Yeah, he says, um, he doesn't, he's like, I don't trust Erebus, and I don't trust you, Magnus, because you're actually going against the Emperor's edict of Nicaea. So you're using warp magic as well to come to me now. Yeah, so you're no more right like, than he is. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, I know everything's been shown to me as a warp thing, and but he, it's just, that, it's just like the final push where he's like, he's. He's just full of pride and just—he has got a lust for power, yeah. and he's just like, "Fuck it." With he'd just been shown that there is warp gods. I think is like, "Great, I can use these now. I've got something else I can use against the emperor." Yeah, I want to be in Let's charge. Have... Let's do this. Yeah, he's like basically, it's like, "Oh, cool, I've got this. I can have some support now." I'm fuck it. I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of Erebus does work, but he doesn't as well. He's kind of like. I guess Erebus has shown his hands and Horace doesn't really trust him, but it has worked because he now will use the gods to his own advantage. 
Yeah, Erebus is a fan a really, really fascinating and fantastic character. Even though I hate him, it's good. Yeah. He's great. Um, you'll see in later books that Horus wouldn't piss on him in a fire. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah, you get that at this point as well. But Erebus could... still thinks he's the architect. Um, but even Horus, like, you're not. I would have got here eventually. Um, you may think you are, but no one trusts you. Uh, I think it's really, really fascinating. I, I love the name of Erebus's ship. Um, Destiny's Hand. <laughs> that is such a sick name for a spaceship. Um, so, Horus then awakes and he comes out of the temple. Uh, and everyone's like, whoa, fuck, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Loken comes at this point, doesn't he? He's got like an art. He looks like he's got an army behind him. And it's on the last day and he's like... Have you brought an army to fight us, Logan? Uh, and he's like, I hope not. Yeah. He's like, he has, if everything does not go right, but he's like wishing that it's just going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we get into the last part of the book, part four, Crusade's End, which is a really sad note, really, because it is the end of the Crusade. They're, they're building yeah. stuff there. Um, so they move on, don't they? And they're, they're done here now. And they, yeah, this is like the, this is Horace now starting to set like the dominoes up now. Yeah, yeah, he's getting everything in order. So, first thing they do is they go to that that place, the technocrat, the technocracy, technocracy, what are they called? Yeah, um, the Orti, Ortician technocracy or something. Yeah, and they're Basically, like semi-human STC machines. Yeah. that's all you need to know. They've got STC machines. Yeah, yeah, they've got power armor like it's really similar to space marine power armor and they've got yeah. they've got human versions of it yeah and they've got standard template constructs which are like super rare technology that is pre the emperor well not pre the emperor but pre the, the, the emperor of mankind now um and it's like old tech that the mechanicum desperately all you know they'll go out of their way to try and find it so um he's like right we have to go there i want to talk to him um, and I found this bit so dark in the book where where in the beginning of the first one you see how veiled hand and gloved fist Horace is about approaching human societies you know, he wants to give them every opportunity to be brought into the fold without violence Yeah. Um, and he goes down there they land in you know, I, th I think, I'm pretty sure Loken's there they, you know, they, they, they come onto um, the vengeful spirit like a declaration party yeah and, and they want like, to meet them they're like oh cool you're humans too wow we've heard of the imperium we've yeah, heard you're of the like emperor. power armor you're basically like us yeah and then and then, uh, and then horus just lifts his gun up and shoots the fucking leader yeah and they're like what shit what happened he's like oh it was an assassination attempt he had something in his staff and they and just wipe the rest of them out yeah and um Logan's like that wasn't what I saw that doesn't seem yeah. right. Um, it like jumps like Logan in a trench, doesn't it? And then he's like having to blow up people as like they're slugging their way to the capital, aren't they? Yeah, and there's this lovely insight into what the future is going to look like for them because they're fighting people with the same technological capabilities as them. They've got power armor, they've got what look like land raiders and and rhinos. They've got the same kind of vehicles like. Plane, like fighter jets look like theirs just in different colours and stuff 
but it's all slightly weaker and slightly slower. So yeah, basically they're, they're they're not, they've not got Aspartes. Yeah, them, they've so. got humans in them. So while they're still advanced, they're not Space Marine advanced. But it's the imagery of it is like it's Space Marines fighting Space Marines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they end up going to war with them, and Logan's like, "This just isn't right. We shouldn't be doing this." But whatever. Um, and then there's a lot of um, oh, what's there's his a, face? The World Eaters join. Yeah, it's like this massive siege, basically, and they're like, "We just need to crack this final, their final, last stand in this city." And they're like, "Well, okay, well, we'll bring the World Bearers in, um, World Eaters in." Yeah, and so Angron's there, angry. Yeah, and there's this nice bit where, like, they're all getting ready for this final, to like basically, they've almost cracked it open. They're going to send the World Eaters in first, and like, a group of them walk past the um, Loken's like company, and like. Khan's there and stuff and they're like holy shit these guys are fucking insane like Loken is like you can see Loken's not scared but he's like these guys are like another level yeah yeah they like walk past and they're like these guys are like covered in like battered armour covered in blood they're like these are these these guys mean business these are hard and then Angron walks past as well and he's like fuck this guy is like pure anger incarnate yeah um so, uh, what happens next? They organise the assault of that final palace, and while that's happening, there's there's some stuff going on in the background regarding the lodge. Like, there's I remember a bit where Torgaden is invited to. A oh lodge yeah, meeting. yeah, this is yeah, this bit really like I got read, reading this bit, and it's kind of like, oh shit, this is where this is where it's all like, out in the open, kind of yeah. So, so they invite Torgaden to the lodge, don't they? Yeah, they invite him to the lodge. Obviously, they don't invite Loken because he's not invited anymore. And the lodge members tell him that to quell the. So Hector Varanus, the leader of the, the 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 man in charge of the Imperial Army, um, the Lord Commander, he's leading an investigation kind of thing, kind of like an internal police investigation um, into the deaths and uh, injuries to the people on the embarkation deck from when Horus was brought back onto the ship and they they the, the lodge have maneuvered an idea to try and like you know two um, two birds one stone kind of thing is yeah he let's throw Loken he, under the bus and have him yeah. executed to get Varanus off our back yeah, he basically wants someone's head for the killings, and they're like, "Oh well, we'll give Loken. Loken was there. Loken did it. He, you know, he's like that." And they and Torgan like throws up, like, "You fucking do it!" And he like holds a knife up to Erebus's neck, doesn't he? At this point as well, and he's yeah. like, "Fuck you, fuck you, Erebus, fuck we all." It's yeah. like Horus would never do this, and they're like, "Who do you think it's Horus's idea?" Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think sanctioned this? Yeah, and that's why like, he's just like, "Oh god, this, we're all fucked. Like this is all." Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that was he heartbreaking. Was like, that, that was like, oh, this isn't just. Uh, this is everything. This is yeah. You're you're really fucked now. Everything's gone to shit. Yeah, it's, it's really sad. Yeah, um, and he, he like looks at um, Horace Axman, and you can see that bit where Horace Axman's like, I don't really like this either, but I've got to do what I've got to do. So yeah, yeah. So uh, he's now no longer part of Mournville. Uh, he's he's done. He sees behind the veil. He can see all the 
corruption that Erebus and Chaos, well not Chaos as he knows it, but Chaos as we know it, has brought to uh, brought brought to the Legion, so he, he's out. He goes back to meet Loken. Um, and that's when him and Loken make the final assault on the the final um, with the world eaters and Angon on that palace or whatever it is like fortress yeah I think, it, I think it's Logan and and like it is, Angon it, gets like buried doesn't he or something yeah it is Loken and uh, yeah just checking Loken's captain of the tenth and Tarek's the second yeah so they they assault the uh, fortress and I think like they're I love that bit they're climbing up and there's bombs going off and then there's a huge explosion and they think it kills Angron and don't they get yeah. caught up in the bloodlust like they, they start seeing red mist and go crazy and start butchering their way like next level violence that they're not used to like even Loken like scares himself at how violent they've just been yeah yeah but yeah and then they but then they the defenders start like um, surrendering so they just they manage to rein it back in yeah, and then as they're like surrendering, Angrons are basically rocks up out of the rubble, and just like fuck, and just charges at everyone, and it just turns into a massacre again. Uh, and basically, the space marines like oh, um, all the sons of horrors have to like shoot the remaining defenders because they just know it's going like it's just going to go out of hand. Angrons is going to go mental. Everything's just going to go to shit. So they just have to like kill the defenders, basically, because they're stood like right in front of them, like surrendering. So they're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And at that point, Barbarus is killed in the firefight. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we find out later uh, that um, from the apothecary, um, he says, he comes to Loken and is like, oh, I thought I could trust you with this information, but he was killed by our bolt around. Yeah, the strap on him. Yeah, they find. Yeah. yeah, that's fucking depressing. And we find out basically Horace is now like cleaning house. He is just like getting rid of everyone that is going to stand in his way. He's just going to like right. I'm going to get rid of everyone who's not going to be with me before I start off this big heresy. So he's tried to have Loken killed because um, he knows Loken's not with him, and so he's trying to have him killed for the. Um, killing on the Bark Ancient deck. He's had Varvarus killed because he knows he was wanting to get to hold the Space Marines up to account. Um, what else has he done? Oh, he's killed. He kills uh, Ignace Carcassi. Yeah. Has him spreading. murdered by Magard. Yeah. Yeah, it made him like a man. suicide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really sad because I love Carcassi. He's cool. Yeah, he's a great character. Um. And I'm trying to think what. Oh, Petronella. He because we missed the bit where Petronella basically. Oh, that's wine back, wine back to. Yeah. So right back to when Horus gets stabbed and he's on the vengeful spirit. Yeah. Um, he's on his deathbed and he's semi, semi conscious, right? And uh, he's trying to, he's doing his. I don't know what the word is. What is the word? Um, there is a word for it, like. Loads of presidents have had it done on their deathbeds. Yeah, uh, they give their like yeah, their final point. words or whatever. And uh, yeah, he he does he do, he reads his last well he says his last goodbyes, but he tells her the story of what he really thinks and what he really feels. 
Yeah. And it's like super open and honest, like heart on his sleeve, I'm dying, this is everything I think. And she gets like obsessed by this work for the next couple of weeks. She's like, this will be groundbreaking, groundbreaking uh, reading. Yeah, basically it just tells the Primarchs what he thinks of every Primarch, what he thinks of the Emperor, what he thinks of the Empire. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. And then that's it, really. Uh, he just come. He, he just come. Uh, yeah. So we've got. So she's writing all that, and then Horace walks into her chamber, and he literally just gets a badden to like snap her neck. <laughs> yeah, it's so grim. So does the badden killer, or is it not uh, Horace? Uh, maybe it's bad. Maybe it's Horace. He's definitely Horace. Uh, badden's there, but maybe it's Horace. Yeah, fucking hell, depressing. Um, right, he does murder himself. Um, so she's killed. Um, so he's yeah, like you said, cleaned house is a good term for it. He's completely got rid of anyone that might internally bother him for now. Bar Loken and probably. Uh, or Tor- now Torgadon as well. Torgadon, so. yeah. So he knows he's got some people internally that he doesn't trust, but he's got rid of the majority. Um, and he's also got himself uh, an inner crew. So he's got. Um, Malaghurst and uh, Erebus are like kind of like his um, Goebbels from like uh, World War Two of Hitler. They're kind of like inter- <laughs> internal yeah. PR. Do you know what I mean? Like PR machines like Him- and Himmler and Goebbels. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what they are. Is they're there to do all of the internal uh, power struggle stuff. You know, the the behind the scenes murders, all the stuff that the the fear and intimidation. So like. Um, Malaghurst is man on the ground. He knows everything. Um, and he's super good at twisting stories and starts getting people on side on every level of every position of power on the ship. Everything from captains in the army to like thugs and shit like that. Like, So he gets his own mini little army, doesn't he, to deal with like lower level problems. Yeah, um, and... Um... Yeah, and then he's they've got Regulus, the Mechanicum, on their side. Cause he's like, with the STCs, he was like... To Regulus, he was like, oh, what were you, um, they've got STCs, you know, if I could give you those, would you be, would you stand with me? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The mechanic like crack fiends, basically. He's like, I've got some crack. Do you, would you, uh, do you want some? Would you, would you do anything for yes. that? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Yes, I want it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, the ship's being cleaned up by Magard and Molaghurst and Erebus. Then we've got uh, Loken and Torgadon, they, they sort of ends on their bit ends with them talking about we need to do something. There's something not quite right here. What do we do next? Um, and then Horus has a the, the last the last section of the book is Horus talking about next steps with his secret group. Um, and he yeah, tells, which he has like a lodge meeting, and that, but the lodge is like everyone basically. Yeah, and and he, it's, yeah, it's and huge. He, he tells them that he's sending the word bearers to Kalth to meet with the Ultramarines. And they've got a plan for them in place with Lorgar. Um, and that he's sending Sanguinius to Cygnus Prime because they're two legions he just can't... He knows he, no matter what he won't be able to change their allegiance he knows that yeah they're, they're so from the first, it's in the first heretic isn't it that Lord has already sent chaplains to every legion and he they have an idea who would stand with Horace and who oh, wouldn't yeah. 
they've been planning for like 70 years yeah yeah so um yeah so they've they've been maneuvering for a long time and in the background you find out later in other books that like the white scars they weren't really sure what was going on but the uh, alpha legion who have also been working for a very long time um ensured that they were pulled further and further and further away from the galaxy edge so that they're fighting in the middle of nowhere and they keep sabotaging their work so it takes them longer to do everything so they're tying them up then you've got um all the legions we know that are loyal are, are kind of in place to be fucked with and half of them don't even know it well none of them know it but it's very very clever like the, you know the 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 uh, space wolves have been sent to prospero by the emperor by this point but horus in the last page of the book talks about how he'd spoken to russ and he's changed russ's orders from bring magnus to terror yeah to terror to basically kill him yeah without saying it he's made sure that he's wound him up enough that it's not worth the time and kind of like you know what dad would be okay with it if you did that yeah and he basically knows that after doing that the space you know he just basically knows those two legions are pretty much going to destroy themselves yeah they do that's exactly what happens they both go down to like a third capacity pretty quick um so he's got most of them figured out and then they're like well there's still a bunch of legions left what do we do and he says i've got a plan for them but first stop is the istavan system which I knew about because I had when I first read this book many years ago. I already had the uh, the big book, the Horus Heresy Collected Visions. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I knew all about it. And it's just fucking cool to see it come alive. Um, yeah, it's cool, man. So I think the legions are quite close. Yeah. Yeah. He. Yeah. As you say, he can't get he can't get to them. So. Yeah. He's. And we and also a bit yeah. So we find out that he know we definitely the Emperor's children on his side because slightly early in the this book. Fulgrim does appear, and Fabius Bile takes away the the sword. Yeah, it's a gift from Horus yeah. to uh, Fulgrim to like cement his their loyalty together. It's like here's the sword that nearly killed me. That's how committed I am for you to work mm. with. Um, and, but which is annoying for Loken because that's kind of the one of the main uh, sort of pieces of evidence he has against Erebus and against all this. And now he no longer has that. Yeah, it's all gone. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's funny that, that, that Loken and Torgadon don't see how bad it really is. To them, it's a blip that they just need to do their jobs and everything will get better again. Yeah, they think. They, yeah, they think they could still fight and try to turn this legion around. It's just like, well, yeah. okay. Does Torgadon tell Loken that he was going to get thrown under the bus? Um, maybe. I don't know. Because if I found that was Logan, I'd be fuming. Yeah, I mean, it would be pretty shit fun if he didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that's it, that's the end of the book. We did alright for time. Um, Yeah. It's a long old book, so I'm hoping we haven't sped too much through it. Um, Cool. So, recap, what's your feelings towards this book? Um... Yeah, I really like this book. Is I I didn't enjoy it when I read it. Well, I did enjoy it the first time I ever read it, but I read all three like in one go. So this book is, I guess, you're sort of always starting to build up to the end game. So I kind of always felt like this was the middle book. But reading on its own, yeah, I really like it. It's really good. Yeah. So I've recently read. Well, not recently. In the last year, reread all three, 
so I didn't read it again for this podcast as I tend not to I've just cliff noted it listened to bits of it on on audiobook you know like we both do we just sort of gather as much of it into our heads as we can yeah and what I found the last time I read it through is it does that thing that so like Star Wars we're both big Star Wars fans The Empire Strikes Back is my favourite of the original trilogy and I think this one's mine of the tri- the first three books. Yeah, it does. It has that depressing tone, like Empire has. Yeah, where there's like no hope, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's something about the tone in it. Like, because Graham McNeil's a really, really good writer, and he grounds a lot of reality in this about you know the human story with the princeps and w- bringing that embarkation deck story to life. Like all of those things, I just think it grounds it in so much more reality than. The hopefulness of the first one, even though it ends on a slight tinge of sadness, and the just pure brutality of the third one, which is just savage from you know pretty much the get go. This one, yeah. yeah, this one, there's like, oh, if only X, Y, and Z didn't happen, it would still all be okay. Um, yeah, yeah, very much uh, Han Solo being taken away in the slave <laughs> yeah. slave one. Um, no, I love it. I do love it. It's a great. Yeah, it's really good. Cool. Um, so, no surprises. Next, we're going to be doing um, Galaxy in Flames, the follow-on. That's by Ben Counter, isn't it? Is that the guy's name? Oh, looking. I, yes, I think so. I do. Looking forward to reading that one again. I had so when I read that the first time, I like just bombed my way through it because it's like this is so intense and so good. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's. It, I mean, I love all three. It's fucking great. Um, but it's when everything goes to shit and everything becomes real evil and real nasty. Um, cool. So yeah, I just have that favorite. My favorite scene in it is just that end battle where like Soul Tarvitz is in that bombed out church bit, and oh, like he meets um, Lucius and stuff. Oh, so good. Yeah, in the um, Preceptor's Palace or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking story. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I love the book. I love Graham McNeil. I think it's just brilliant. Um, so, yeah, we'll be doing the third of the opening trilogy. What we do after, we don't know yet. Um, I know we've oh, also... I think we did, we did know. I think we said, didn't we? I don't know if you want to say it. Well, you can we say it if you want. Yeah, I, know, I remember now. Yeah, go on, say it. Yeah, say it. Yeah. Tell people. Get so I think time. we're going to do, um, we're going to go to a slightly different area of the Black Library now and go away from 40k and heresy and when I go to some fantasy and when I go to a classic when I go to Trollslayer yeah fuck yeah so I've never read it so this is why I get excited man because a lot of the stuff we've done uh, we've both read or I've read previously and you've not so I think to just be like real old classic that is well loved I'm excited I think this was the yeah my first ever Black Library book I read so it's going to be one you've read and I've not that's not happened yet yeah I mean, I read this properly when I was. This has got to be over, like eighteen years ago, but I just loved the cover when I saw it in the in the shop. It's just got a huge dwarf covered in tattoos of a massive axe. I mean, yeah, I better uh, order that. I'm just typing now. Better. And it's it's not because at the next Black Library weekend they have um, Brian Blessed, who is now voicing uh, Godrex Gunnison oh, in yeah, the new yeah, audiobooks. Yeah. So. So I still don't know if I'm going to that, and I really feel like I should, but it's know, really but it's expensive. expensive. It's so expensive. <laughs> if anyone from Black Library is listening to this, we'd love a free ticket, but fuck me, like 80 quid. I mean, I'm not made of money. 
All, all the books I could buy with that eighty pounds. It's so annoying. Yeah. But yeah, it's really it is really expensive for a week. Like it's a weekend to be fair. For what we paid to go to the day one, we paid was that twenty quid, twenty five yeah, quid, twenty quid. Yeah. But it does look amazing, I mean, yeah. and like the yeah, I mean I am still umming and ahhing. I don't think I can get away with it because I've got loads to do between now and the end of the year, which involves spending money. But um, oh, it will be amazing. ADB's there. There's all sorts. Mm. And it's a two day thing, and I think there's. I think there's a tradition of doing stuff in the evening, like drinking. Yeah, I think and you partying. get you get a free ticket to like the big evening party party thing. Yeah. I want a beer with. Any other problems? It's not at Warhammer World. Yeah, is where is it? Is yeah. it in Nottingham or is it in Birmingham? It's in Nottingham. It is in Nottingham. I mean, when you, it's always nice to go to because we don't live near there. Like to go to an event and then just go to Warhammer World to the shop as well. So. Yeah, it has to be a big event, but I just yeah, I really want to go, man. Should we just do yeah. it? Should we just do it? If there's any listeners who want to send us money, maybe so we'll we set up a uh, go fund us. Yeah, please <laughs> fund mine and Jamie's horrible habit. So we can go and geek out and get drunk with Dan Abnett. We'll, we'll we'll give you all the gossip. We'll yeah. record from there. We'll, we'll record our conversations. It'd be real yeah. weird. Um, yeah, talking about Dan Abnett, he did Guardians of the Galaxy, right? He was like the main. He, the, 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 the long, I know it's off topic, but I just suddenly remembered I watched the second one and it was fucking amazing. And all I could think about was how much the characters reminded me of some characters from his writing. Because he has yeah. a particular way of writing people. And I know that he was involved in the first one in somehow. I don't know the full background, but I'm pretty sure. Maybe. He, he might have been involved with some of the original comic books. I think that's what it is. Or I think at least his take on Guardians of the Galaxy. It's been around a long time. I think his take on it is where they've brought the characters from. Yeah, maybe. I'm, sh- I'm sure he was involved in some of the writing. But anyway, long story short, I want to get drunk with Dad now. Yeah, he's so um, cool. Uh, so I guess we should wrap up with the old question time. So I don't think we've got that many. Um, and one of them was a bit all over the place. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's have a quick look. I'll just get the questions up now. So... Let's have a look. False Guards. Jamie put the questions up. So we had had a couple. So Dungeons and Dragons and Jack. Nice to hear from them again. So I'll ping this one to you, Jamie. I've been an Imperial Guard tip tip recently. I've been on an Imperial Guard tip recently. I think he means trip. Uh, working on my Crusade era Voistrons. That's a good shout. Uh, what are your favourite guard regiments? Oh, that's a good shout. Um, you go first because I got I got to look up what they're called again. Um, I don't I don't really I, I like guard, but I've never collected them, so my knowledge is a bit limited. So you go. And I'll... So, quick background: I collected Katachan Jungle Fighters back in like I remember it really specifically actually because it was when I first moved to Brighton from Romford. So it was two thousand and one, and I think they had. There was an Imperial Guard Codex with Cadians on the front in a trench, but there was an add-on. Do you remember when they used to do add-on codexes that were like supplements? Yeah. There was a Katachan one, which had Katachans on the front looking fucking gnarly. Um, and I collected that era of Katachans, where it was all about having as many men as possible and having loads and loads of flamers um, yeah. and, and mortars and snipers. And I remember painting them, and I did them all really... I was, you know, I was only like... 13, 14, 15, something like that. I think, fuck, how old was I? 13, 14. And um, I painted them all in like really heavy camo. 
and they all looked mental. And I, I know if I looked at them now, they'd just be big green blobs. <laughs> but um, I do. I've got a real soft spot that, for them because of Predator. So I tried to do everyone like it was fucking Arnie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> get to the chopper. Uh, <laughs> um, but my favourite, and it always has been, um, for nostalgia reasons, is uh, Steel Legion. Um, I've got a shit ton of Steel Legion. I've got about 40 of them. Um, I've got enough to make like three 10 man squads, a couple of fire teams, and some command squad stuff. Um, and I bought them all in like a random. I think I was actually a bit drunk at the time. Like. I remember it was really early in the morning and I just got in from a night out and like, you know, do you ever do this when, I'm not sure I'm not the only one, I can't sleep straight away when I'm a bit pissed, so I have to read a book or oh, like yeah, yeah. something to like wind myself down a bit. Um, and I remember really specifically pulling out the Armageddon campaign supplement book from like 2001 or whenever, 1999, looking through and being like, oh wow, I really love these guys and just going on eBay straight away and just starting yeah. like, Putting stuff in my yeah, bad man. yeah. Started putting loads of shit in my um, inbox, and I just started buying it. I got loads, and I need to strip it all because I eventually, years ago, painted them all to be cultists for my chaos army, and I regret it because they look like shit. Um, so yeah, if I ever get bored of what I'm doing, I think I'll dust them off because for me, it's that nostalgia thing. Um, the Armageddon campaign from back in like. I think it was 1999 or 2000, was the first campaign I ever did. Like, first organised actual... I had a fully painted army. I did Orcs at the time. I had a fully painted army, and my brother collected uh, Black Templars. And we. I remember we were in Poole, in Dorset, at my nan's for, like, two whole weeks. And all we did every day during the summer holidays was just go to that store and play Warhammer every day. And I've always wanted that force. So, yeah, long story short... Uh, long story short... Steel Legion, for sure. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I, I really like Steel Legion. I think they look cool. I think I like, as you say, for the Armageddon shit. I think yeah, they're really cool. But I also really like the Death Corps of Krieg. Very similar. Do you know Death Corps of Krieg came from Steel Legion? In the... yeah, I I just love the yeah both their aesthetics are really cool. It's just really a shame that the Death Corps are scale is just really wrong from Forge World. They're really um, like they're like they're being stretched. Yeah, they're really tiny and, yeah, as you say, like really lanky. So. Yeah, it's a bit weird. But the, when they're done beautifully, there's the, I'm sure there's, um, oh, there's a guy on Instagram. Yeah, there is. I know you mean, yeah. His name might even be Death Corpse of Krieg. But he's got, like, a beautiful... Of Krieger, name. isn't it? Krieger. That, that might be it. Maybe it's him. <laughs> or her. I don't know them. Could be a lady. Krieger uh, 40k. Uh, I'm sure it's him slash her, if it's a lady. I don't know. Don't want to assume. Um, yeah, beautiful. There's definitely one that roams around on Instagram quite regularly that just like blows my mind. But I remember Death Corps Creed came from the Armageddon campaign book. It was an alternative way of painting them. And all they'd done is they'd painted a skull mask on the gas mask at the front. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just being like, that is so fucking metal. I love that. Um, yeah, I just paint them so muddy, so crappy. Yeah, it would be so cool. But it's might, just expensive might, and yeah. it's doesn't work <laughs> yeah see i because I, I toyed with doing it and i was like oh it'd be so good and then i got caught up in like doing my iron warriors again and then i got caught up in doing death guard and then for 30k then death guard for 40k and then now major sigma and suddenly it's like three or four years later if not more 
Yeah. And I've still, they're still in a box, but they're painted a bit shitly, and I want to strip them all because I hate it. Um, but who wants to carry a metal army around anymore? Can you imagine that? Oh, God. My entire infantry just being metal. I think I'd cry. They'd be so chipped. It'd just be point yeah. But <laughs> they look amazing. All weekend. Yeah, Talking it would look up. amazing. But then you just spend every weekend like touching them up. Like, yeah. Oh. So something I might yeah. start doing after our podcast launch, man, is might start putting pictures up of stuff we've talked about. That might be really cool. Yeah. Like, I might go dig them out. Because I remember I spent fucking ages clipping the... So they were all on slot, uh, slot base feet. You know, like metal models, you used to have to slot them into the uh, into the base. Um, I cut all of those bits off and stuck them and pinned them onto bases. And I'd made bases of cr- like collapsed rubble because I wanted them to look like they were fighting in Armageddon, like in the cities. Yeah. And then I just never got around to doing it. Yeah, I might have to strip those and then um, paint them properly. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um... Cool, so we both like Steel Legion. That's really good. Um, and then there's another question from Athens Frame of Mind, which is, so what differentiates a zombie from a poxwalker slash infected? Um, scientific... It's warpy magic, isn't it? Yeah, it's witchy poos. Yeah, yeah was a zombie is like infection. I mean, poxwalkers are infection, but they're not animated by infection. They're animated by no. warp magic. Yeah, they're animated by Nova, and they've um, got big grins and wide eyes. And if I remember correctly, somewhere I've got the Death Guard Codex. In their minds, they're all still human. Yeah. Which is horrible, right? I can't think of anything worse. Can you imagine being a poxwalker and like your limbs falling off and bones protruding out your forehead, and you get a big Joker-style grin, and all you want to crave is ripping apart Space Marines? But in, your head, but in your head, you're still you. Yeah. That's horrible. Um, cool. Uh, we've got nothing in the inbox this this episode, which is a shame. People can email us; they are allowed. Um, what is our email address again? It's uh, the Great Rift Inbox at gmail dot com. Yeah, please do send us questions. We we enjoy interaction. Yeah, and thanks to everyone who bought t shirts. I think everyone should have them now. Yeah. So, yeah. Apart I'm from wearing mine right now. I haven't received one. You still haven't got yours yet, today. <laughs> I mean, we don't live remotely close to each other, so it's understandable. No, I actually, um, yeah, I, I, um, well, I thought I'd see you before then, so I'd just been keeping them until then, but obviously it didn't happen, so. Life has a habit. Yeah. Um, no, but hopefully, listeners, by the time we do our next episode, me and Jamie would have hung out. Um, yeah. So, I guess that's it from me, um... By the time the next episode lands, I will be a year older. It's my birthday in a couple of weeks. And I will be in Brighton, Jamie. I'll catch up with you on that separately. Oh, yeah, yeah. You definitely. might have seen it in the BWC chat, but it's going to be some yeah, gaming yeah. and some drinking. Um, so, yeah, that's it from us. We'll be back in. Maybe we can try and get the next one in a bit sooner as an apology for stretching the gap out on this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so up next is Galaxy of Flames. Good night, all. Good night. Peace. Peace.